Oh, hello, friends. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com. Onnit is a total human optimization website. And what that means, what a total human optimization company, I should say, what it means is we try to provide you with all the tools you need to get it together, whether it's healthy supplements, healthy foods like Warrior Bar. It's made out of organic buffalo meat, 14 grams of protein. No antibiotics, no added hormones, absolutely fucking delicious. Mmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. Four grams of fat per two-ounce serving, and just tastes fantastic, guilt-free snacking. And uh, it's really like a small meal, you know. It's, it's a great in-between uh, meal break, like a little snack to give you some energy. Uh, very high-quality protein. And if you're looking for plant protein, Hemp Force. We got a, a fantastic blend uh, hemp, hemp force is made out of hemp and the finest hemp that we can find. That's what, what it gets different. Like there's hemp that you buy in certain places. It's very coarse and sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to digest and it's kind of gritty when you drink it. Uh, what we use with hemp force is the very best of the hemp hearts. It's higher in protein and it's very easy to digest. It's actually a complete protein too. There's very few complete protein, uh, complete proteins in plant form. And uh, it's got cocoa, uh, maca, and uh, hemp protein blended in together. Fantastic. Very low sugar, natural sugar. It's like one gram of sugar per serving. And um, it's sweetened with stevia, which is just uh, much better for your body. No dairy, no gluten, no soy. Uh, Seven grams of fiber per serving. Fifteen grams of protein. And uh, 420 milligrams of uh, omega-3s. Really good shit. Sixty four hundred milligrams of omega six, two thousand milligrams of omega nine. It's just hemp is a miracle plant. It really is, and it's it's just fantastic source of protein. Super easy to digest too. Um, it's my go to protein. That's uh, what I I drink hemp force pretty much every week. At least several several servings a week. It's they're great meal replacements and they're fantastic for post workout uh, drinks. Drink it with a little C2O, C2O coconut water, and uh, I mix in some uh, organic uh, coconut oil with it as well. Super healthy for you. And we have a full line of strength and conditioning equipment, including kettlebells, battle ropes, uh, sandbags, weight vests, the whole deal. And more importantly, um, the Onnit Academy, which uh, we are spreading out all over the country, all over the world eventually. And what the Onnit Academy is, there's two forms of it. There's the online form, which is absolutely free to anybody and everybody. Go there. Lots of fantastic articles, uh, diets, workouts, uh, motivational videos. And then there's the physical Onnit Academy. Right now, there's one in Austin, Texas, and we're looking to uh, get a West Coast one popping sometime this year. We're actually actively looking at sites right now, too. Uh, if you're in um, Austin, Texas, though, you can go join the Onnit Academy. It's open to... Uh, to regular folks, to anybody, to the general P, general public, and uh, all kinds of awesome workout classes, state-of-the-art equipment. And if you're interested in buying any of the supplements, go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN, and you will save 10% off any and all supplements. We're also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is a fantastic way to fill a job void that you have. If you have a job that you're hiring for and it's uh, tough to get 
the quality candidates. You can use ZipRecruiter and make things way fucking easier for yourself. You can post to 100 plus job sites with one single click. ZipRecruiter has the highest possible chance of finding the perfect candidate. And uh, you post once within 24 hours, you can watch candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 300,000 businesses. Um, there's testimonies that I could read for you. Um, if you want, you want me to, okay. Uh, this guy says his name is Robert. When I first signed up to ZipRecruiter, I was excited to get my job posted out there quickly. Within the first two days, I had eight people email me their resumes and job history, seven of which were exactly what I was looking for. We can go on and on about the different, um, different testimonials, different people love it. But the, the bottom line with ZipRecruiter is you can use it and you can even try it for free. If you go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan, that's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan. You can try it for free. It is the best way to find qualified candidates for any job that you are trying to fill. Um, can't recommend it enough. ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan. Go there. Give it a shot and try it for free. We are also brought to you by LegalZoom. Dump, 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 dump. What is LegalZoom? LegalZoom is an awesome way to deal with legal stuff. Like, um, you know, like if you have to get an LLC or form a corporation or any of that shit, normally you would have to go to a lawyer's office. Normally you would have to make an appointment. You'd have to wait. You'd have to park your fucking car, take time off work. You would have to pay some exorbitant legal fees to, uh, some lawyer. You could cut through all that shit with LegalZoom and you can take care of things that, it's just like we live in a much simpler world. It's way easier to handle things now and- this is one of the best ways to handle any sort of legal uh, issue that you may be dealing with, like uh, last will or living trust. As I said, forming a corporation or an LLC. N no easier way to do that than to use LegalZoom. Also, LegalZoom, if you fuck up or if you think like this, this isn't working right, they will connect you with a third-party independent attorney. Uh, and you can even save more money at checkout by using the referral code ROGAN. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but advice is provided through independent professionals. Can't say enough good things about LegalZoom either. They have an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. They were used to formulate uh, the LLC for form, form the LLC for Onnit. Uh, Brian Redband used them when he formed uh, the Death Squad uh, LLC that he, he came up with. Uh, just call or visit LegalZoom.com and they'll provide you with the personal attention you need and help take care of all the details. But save some money by using the referral code ROGAN at checkout. We are also brought to you by the National Academy of Sports Medicine. National Academy of Sports Medicine is uh, a great pathway for you to get a gig as a professional trainer in the fitness industry. An exciting career in the fitness industry. Making good money, doing something that you really enjoy doing, and helping people reach their health and fitness goals. The National Academy of Sports Medicine is a way to do that. Um, being a professional trainer, being a personal trainer, professional personal trainer is, is a great gig. You know, you can set your own hours, you can work in health clubs, sports clinics, corporate wellness, and you know, more importantly, you can get up in the morning every day and do something you actually enjoy doing. And if you're a person that's really into fitness, this is a rewarding career for you. And it's a great way to uh, spend your time and make some money. The National Academy of Sports Medicine even offers specialization courses like MMA conditioning. 
So get a heart head start on 2015 and begin your certification with the National Academy of Sports Medicine now. And they actually guarantee you'll land a job within 60 days of earning your CPT certification or your money back. Doesn't get any sweeter than that. Go to myusatrainer.com for a free 14-day trial. Free. Uh, 14-day trial of their fast and fun online program. That's myusatrainer.com. Myusatrainer.com. Restrictions apply. Visit myusatrainer.com for details. All right, you fucks. Um, my guest today is one of, one of the greatest comics that's ever walked the face of the planet. He's just a fucking awesome guy, hilarious dude. Um, I, I You know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I, I actually paid money to see Dom Herrera before I was a good friend of his. It's uh, it's really cool to become friends with someone who you, I, just, I mean, I still admire him, but back then, like, he was like one of those guys, like, whoa, it's Dom Herrera, and now he's my buddy. Hilarious stand-up comedian, wonderful human being, and uh, he's got his own podcast, Dom Herrera Live from the Laugh Factory. You can't go wrong with Dom Herrera, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hey, Dom Herrera. Joe, we on the air? We on the air. Get out of hey, here. Come on. How We're on the doing? air right now. There's a lot of people listening. A lot of look, folks. Look at you looking look at, at you. me. Look at it. God bless you. Look at you looking at me. Look at you. Look at you with your yoga class. I did yoga class today for the God first time in a while. All stretched out. It's fucking hard to do, but you feel great. You ever do it? Yeah, I kept falling asleep. <laughs> I swear to God, I was doing it at the West Side Y in New York. I'd go with my wife. I would always fall asleep. You fell asleep in yoga yeah. class? How's that? But I don't even know how that's possible. Well, you know, you lay lay down and just don't get up. <laughs> really, I mean, it's hard to do though. I I did. I, I fell asleep a number of times. But I mean, it's hard. The, the yoga is hard to do. I oh yeah, maybe this wasn't asleep. that hard. Maybe this was just like stretching and stuff. Uh, I did uh, probably, hot yoga. Oh no, that's no no oh, way. As soon as you walk in, you're sweating. Yeah, I don't. I don't but like that. You really stupid. It's good for you. You really stretch out because of it, but. God damn, like it takes a long time to stop sweating after you get out of there. I was sweating for like an hour and a half. Did you Just drink drenched. a lot? Yeah, yeah. Drank a ton of water before, ton of water after. But it's so hot in there. I mean, it's like, I don't know how many, a hundred plus degrees, whatever the fuck it is while you're in there. But it's Drinking like, alcohol must be a good buzz after that. Yeah, you'd probably die. Nah. Nice cold <laughs> beer with a shot of vodka. Come on, Joe. A shot of vodka? You heard me, tough guy. I don't drink vodka by the shot. I'm more of a screwdriver toward a, sort of a screwdriver? gentleman. Screwdriver? What are you, my aunt? I like a little bit of orange juice. <laughs> Why don't you juice? have a Tom Collins? <laughs> Tom Collins. I don't, even, I don't even know what a Tom Collins is. I don't either. Is. I just like the name. I know what a Cosmopolitan is, but I don't know what's in it. But I know the broads like it, Dom. I'll have a Cosmo. Yeah, that's there's a few drinks, right, that uh, they're feminized. For yeah. whatever reason, those drinks became a woman's drink. And then there's like vacation drinks, like a pina colada. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you're out with the boys. Uh, but they, they, you can't get high on them. You get sick first. Really? Well, that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, you you can get, get pretty a, fucked up on those things. Get a buzz on pina coladas. You know how much ice you got to drink? That's true. But the ice is probably good for you. It helps rehydrate you. I'm back on the sauce, by the way. Back up, back down. Back up, back down. You're in, you're out. I swear, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> you know, that's a danger of being a comedian, though, because I, I set my alarm. Like, when I'm, if I'm hungover, I got a show at, at 8, 8 o'clock. I set my alarm for 6. P.M.? Yeah. Whoa. That's sad. I mean. It's ridiculous. I mean, like, you got, you know, you got kids, you got a life. I got, I'm a stand-up. 
Nothing I'm, else. I'm a clown. I'm a verbal clown. I'm so, the time between you go to bed and 6 p.m., all that's spent sleeping? Well, no, but it, it's just it, it, I roll over in pain and agony. I, I lament my mistake for the night because the buzz doesn't last nearly as long as the suffering. That's true. That's one thing. Like if you are willing to go through the, the, the buzz, like if you're willing to go through the hangover just to get to that buzz, that's a big – but you don't. It's the opposite. Yeah. You go through the buzz, and then you get the hangover. And I regret it every time. Like, very few people would go through, like, if you had it, the only way to get drunk is you had to feel like shit for 24 hours first, and then you could drink. Yeah. Nobody would drink. Right now, as soon as you said the ice house was sold out, I thought to myself, me and you, martinis. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought. Why'd you think that? I don't know. I just had the image of having a martini before you went on. What kind of martini? Like a James Bond type, shaken, not stirred, that L- kind of shit? A little bit dirty. A little dirty. I like saying that to a girl. Uh, a little little stinky. Uh, Grey Goose, uh, extra dry. You know what extra dry means? It's not really. Straight alcohol. Oh, okay. You know, because the other thing is vermouth they put in them, which oh. waters it down a little bit. Gives the mar- That's why it's called a martini instead of a straight glass of vodka. But basically... They're either gin or vodka, but everybody just makes them pretty much strong. What's vermouth? It's like some kind of sweet liqueur that's mixed with... Uh, you wouldn't drink it on its own. Huh. So you only drink it in a drink. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, olive juice is goddamn delicious. Delicious. Especially in a nice martini. It's good for the blood pressure, too. I'm sure. Ju- juice of salt. Olives are very good for everything, right? Yeah. Olives are fantastic for you. Yeah, the... Uh, um, Olive oil, that's why all these Italians and French live so long. And those poor fucking Greek fucks, those people, they live on that place where nothing else grows. <laughs> Where's that? They the gotta, island? They got to eat olives and shit. Really? Oh, it's hard. Yeah, the places where olives grow, like a, like people that uh, used olives as a staple in their diet, mm-hmm. it's very laborious. I have an olive tree in my yard. It's not easy getting olives out of that fucker. Did you ever think you'd have an olive tree, Joe, where you grew up? No, I did not. I didn't ask for it. It was just there when I moved in. Uh, you, but you, it's, uh, my you, dogs eat the olives. You don't eat them? Yeah, nope. Nope. You don't just eat them. I so would never trust anything that I grew. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd, I'd still go to the store, even if I had an orange tree. <laughs> no, I have oranges. I eat those. Lemons, I eat those. I, I grow tomatoes and kale. I have a garden. I grow a bunch of different kinds of vegetables. I eat them all the time. Kale. They're good. I mean, tomatoes, yeah, especially. You can grow some <laughs> fucking jamming tomatoes in your yard. Tomatoes can be delicious. I, I, I've never had a craving for kale. <laughs> I never woke up in the middle of my babe, we got any kale? I am, it's always chips and soda. Why is it always the bad stuff you crave? I don't know, but I'm on a good run lately. I came home from the comedy store last night. Um, How'd you do, killed? I killed. I destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I was thinking about eating unhealthy, and I said, I'm, I'm in a good run right now. I'm going to go to the fucking supermarket, get a bunch of fresh vegetables, and blend those fuckers up. Yeah. And I made a kale shake at like one o'clock in the morning. Well, that's why I like those those uh, juices that it's all like gray, uh, green juice and stuff because mm. that's a lazy way out. But at least it's healthy. Yeah, there's a good place down the street from here. I go. It's called uh, Juicy Lady, and uh, they they have them. You know, you can just order them right there. It's nice. But mm. just to just get fucking vegetables in your body. So many people don't drink enough vegetables. They don't eat enough vegetables. It's like the number one problem I think that most people have. They just don't get enough nutrients in their body and their body's forced to make do you live a dull existence like your mind is dull you know uh, your body feels dull i eat a little too much salami <laughs> i, I love salami i know 
That's, a, that's what God's plan was. If you really love it, you're not going to live long. Well, I found this place. Uh, it's called Bordeaux. It's out in uh, Agora, Agora Hills. I was just there the other day, and they have um, they, they make their own charcuterie. How do you say it? Charcuterie. Sorry, shark. Charcuterie. Charcuterie. I don't know. There's you know smoked meats. They make their own salamis oh, okay. and hams and stuff like that. And, oh, it was fucking fantastic. Yeah. When you find like someone who's an expert at that shit and they really know what they're doing. I'm going to bring the guy some bear meat and have him turn it into salami. You going, hunt, you going hunting again? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, yes. Have you shot a bear? Yeah. Yeah, I shot a bear. Wow. That's cool. Just come over and eat some. It's delicious. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stop it in and out. Tastes good, man. People have this idea of, like, people ate bears for a long time before supermarkets were invented. Well, it's funny how we separate what's really good for us to eat. and Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, chickens and... You know, there are certain things. You, I, like, I wouldn't think of eating horse or, or yeah. buffalo. I ate some horse in uh, Montreal. Montreal. Uh, there's this place called Joe Beef, this uh, famous restaurant. Oh, I know it. You know I've that place? There, yeah. Oh, that place is fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And uh, they served us uh, beef two different times. Uh, one time it was like a beef tartare. Joe, or, I excuse me, not beef. I was in horse. there with you. Were you? When? Yeah, I think the night of the fight. Hmm, maybe. I'm almost positive we went there. Probably. After that uh, that great French kid. Uh, George St. Pierre? Yeah. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. yeah. I've been there a bunch of times. I probably took you. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Did you eat the horse? Did you have horse there? No, no. I went with Duncan. We had horse tartare. Oh, like my God. Horse, That's really going too like far. egg and, oh, so good. I hear and, the ponies delicious. I'm a donkey guy myself. <laughs> Um, and we had a uh, horse tenderloin, you know, but it's one of those things like, you know, you, you say horse to people and it's for some folks, like there's a lady that lives in my neighborhood. I would never tell her that I ate a horse. She rides, <laughs> right. she rides her horse by my house every day and she's real nice. You know, don't want to let her know that I eat a horse. I don't eat, I don't eat horse on a regular basis. Uh, no, nobody, no, you can't. It's too rich. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey cock is very, is a delicacy. No, we we serve horse. We served horse on Fear Factor. It was one of the biggest uh, oh. issues on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. As far as like as people complaining, we serve people horse rectums. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, people <laughs> were so angry. They were so angry. Like, we, we had so many. Calls. And this was like, you know, the early days of Fear Factor was essentially before the internet had a real voice. You know, it wasn't yeah. the social media aspect of the internet hadn't really been created yet the way it is now. Right. It was more of like. Uh, you know, there was like a few websites and a few blogs and stuff like that. But the Twitter presence, the Facebook, you know, the communities that existed, they didn't exist like they do now. Yeah, well, it's amazing. The whole world's changed with that. It's amazing. Uh, for the good and for the bad, but more for the good than anything. You helped me get on that. You got to get on it, Dominic. You it's the only way to promote. I had, I had Lou Gatz before you. Yeah, you got to promote. It's, I mean, it's the best way because you think about all the stuff that we used to have to do. You know, every time you would go on the road, you'd have to show up days earlier and do all this press. Like, I think Ralphie May was still doing that up until recently where he would show up at a town like weeks out and do press and then come back in the week of and, you know, really try to get the word out that he was going to be there. I'll do press in Philly. Like I told you, I have the Atlantic City gig next week. Yeah, the Atlantic City gig is a great gig for you, right? That's your area. Yeah. Those are your goombas. Tropicana next Saturday, and it's 2,000 people. and. It's the most intimate 2000 theater I've ever been in. You know how certain they're just they're built in such a way like it's kind of an arc. Mm-hmm. And so they half of them are kind of around you. Yeah, it's really beautiful. 
You you worked the AC at all? Yeah, I've done the Borgata a couple times, but that's it. Yeah, I've never done the Trop. But the difference is, the Borgata is a four wall, so the, the so the casino is not as behind you as they are at the Sands. The Borgata was good, but the Sands is great. Not oh, the Sands. I'm saying the Sands, Tropicana. You know what? You know why I say the Sands because mm. it's the best gig I've had since the Sands. Oh really? Yeah, that was the first place I ever had. Like, imagine how cool that was, Joe, for me. You know the feeling. I go there with Cher, which is already a big deal. My family and friends are there. And then, you know, nothing like pleasing your sister, your mother, people you love. And then I get the headline there. And I got the headline. And then he, he had me headline when Whitney Houston couldn't make like a couple nights. And then I opened for her. What a fucking nightmare. You opened for Whitney Houston? Oh, my God. She was, she was late all the time. And I'm up on stage, you know, and I, saw, I told the crowd, I says, look, I'm not jerking you guys off. I said, I'm up here, not because I'm being self-indulgent. She ain't here. And I said, I, I ain't taking a bullet for her. She ain't here. And then they started cheering. I said, and I'm not going to leave you in the dark. Wow, yeah. so you just hung out with them? Well, no, I just stayed on stage. You know, <laughs> for I how st- long? Oh, like 45 an hour. I was supposed to do 25 minutes, you know. Wow. And, and when where you're was pre- she? she? I don't know. She was probably doing coke and eating pussy. How dare you? I can't even believe you said that. Don't you know she has left us? I know. Have some respect for the dead, Dom Herrera. Joe, take I, it back. I take it back. If, it, if it's bad karma, I take it back. <laughs> oh, I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> Doing coke and eating pussy? Yeah. yeah I would, I'd like I to never be there did to watch coke. it at the very least. I haven't either. But I've eaten some pussy. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know them all. <laughs> you, you actually know them. Whitney Houston, that was a weird one, right? Because like when she was doing that movie, My Bodyguard, yeah. she was America's sweetheart. I know. And you know her and Kevin Costner were in love, and she was the superstar, and she had that amazing voice. Yeah. And, fuck, man. She was. She didn't have an amazing voice when I worked with her, though. She was going down. Oh really? From the coke and all. Over? Yeah. She was. Tell you who was fucking great was Natalie Cole. Really? Of all the people I opened for, she was fucking talented. No shit. Did you ever do that stuff, Joe? No, no, I never opened for... Well, I, I, I did some stuff for MTV where I opened up for Bon Jovi once. And, uh, oh, they're good guys. Did you get yeah, to hang with them? Very, just said hi. They were very nice. Yeah. And I'm trying to think maybe one or two other bands I think I did. I'm trying to remember. But the Bon Jovi one was weird because it was a theater in the round. It was the first time I ever did Oh, I hate theater in the round. It was very weird because there was all this musical equipment on stage too. And they asked me to, um, I, was, I was warming up the crowd and I was also supposed to get people to come closer to the uh, stage. And they wanted me to just get attractive people. Oh, they God. wanted me like, to just get pretty girls to come closer. You to stay back. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's, there's no way to do that without being a lech or yeah. a creepy fuck. You how, know? Like, how are you? Hey, pretty yeah. girl, come yeah. over here. What are you girls with the nice ass and the big tits? Come here. <laughs> Like, what, what do you do to that? I don't remember how I handled it. It was a long time ago. It was, you know, early 90s. My first gig was uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts oh, at Asbury Park Convention Center. Oh, shit. And a guy says to me, uh, you know, 4,000 people, which was really a lot then. I was just starting out, you know. And a guy hands me $250. He goes, stay on as long as you can. <laughs> right? What does that mean? Yeah, exactly what it said. Like, exactly what he said. So I go up and, and I'm like, do you remember that pinche loaf bit I used to have? Yeah. To pinche loaf, to cup of squat, to rose yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing that bit and half the audience was laughing. 2,000 people laughing. The other 2,000, we, we hate you. Joan, Joan are screaming, right? And I was up there for less than like maybe two minutes and somebody tossed just like a Dixie cup top, just, you know, a light piece of paper. All I had to see was that, and I was out of there. And the guy goes, you did great. 
I go, I go, it's only on for two minutes. He goes, nobody lasts that long. That's I go, what the fuck do you have comedians for? He goes, hey, you know, it's a change of pace because the, the, the band's tuning up. You can hear the band tuning up. Yeah, that's one thing that's weird about opening for bands. They will tune up while you're on stage. Well, on that level, yeah. I mean, when yeah. I worked with Cher, it was classy because she was the one that, that was the by far the best job I ever had in opening for anybody. Because you know she had a great crowd. She had transvestites and mothers with their grandmothers with their grandchildren. Was that so, was the audience. Yeah, eclectic. If they, if the, <laughs> you know what the security told me? If they ever saw a single straight guy alone, a single, uh, and he looked straight, they would they would track him all night. Because no no guy alone goes to a share concert if he's straight. Wow. If it's a gay guy dancing and happy, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone's going to be like a crazy stalker, it's going to be a straight guy. Straight guy. Yeah. But she was fun to open for. Yeah, you enjoyed working with her, right? Yeah, I really liked her. Do you have like a friendship with her? Do you contact her? Not anymore. But you know, she's she's very isolated. Yeah, but she's a good person, and you know, she was like, she used to ask me about the world, like she wasn't really in it because she wasn't really in it. Wow. She'd go, well, "What's it like?" And she, you know, she asked me about people, and, and one night we went to. I said I talked her into going out in Montreal. I said, "Look, why don't you drop the outfits?" Stop wearing a top hat and a cane, you know, <laughs> and, and like maybe nobody will notice you. <laughs> top hat, you know, she would wear those. <laughs> I can just picture her with the fucking tails, those yeah, exactly, skipping back and forth, <laughs> putting on rids. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, so we go to an ice cream place, and some like old guy, go, like a French guy, hey. Aren't you uh, the the famous one? What's her name? And that's all she had to hear. She goes, "Yeah, who could ever forget old what's her name?" So then, you know, now I validated that she can't go out, you know. But I one guy. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But we had a good time. You know, we used to. It was a funny thing in the casino. We would meet uh, when I like in the in the arenas. I would do my act, then they'd have a break, and then she'd come up. So we'd never see each other except she had like a team prayer, and sometimes I was in that. But um, one night, when she's, we would cross each other. One night, uh, her grandmother and grandfather were there. And she said to me, she goes, you just did a jizz joke with my grandparents there? And I said, and by the way, your ass is out and your grandfather's looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> and she started laughing. <laughs> well, that, was that one video she did where she was on like a battleship? Yeah, uh, to turn back time, out? I think it was. If I could turn back time. Joe, you got a little share in you. If I could find a way. <laughs> I'm, I like some share songs. Yeah, me too. What was that song? Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Uh, That's right. what the people of the count. I Remember didn't that? like Half Breed. Which but one's I, half breed? Half breed was, no. uh, but I did. I loved the the Bob Dylan song she covered. Look at uh, her. She's on a goddamn. All I really want to do missile. is baby be friends with you. She's riding a cannon. Look at that. Look at that hair. Jesus. Hey Joe, we put the uh, the song on the net. Uh, what is it called? Uh, iTunes. iTube. iTunes. iTunes or YouTube? Yeah, it's called uh, "Just to Disappoint You Further." The one you played last time you were here. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> were you doing any music back when you were opening for these people? No, but I did one time come out. At, we were at Madison Square Garden. But we weren't at the big room. We were doing the the smallest seventy five hundred, the Pelt Forum, where they used to box. And she, this is so funny about her. How I, I go, the the band wants me to go out and fake playing a guitar. And she was song, singing this song, something about the something fire, the wheels of fire, some song. 
and I get I get out there and I'm playing. I'm not really playing. The, he's the guy's behind the scrim. The real guitar player is playing his ass off, and I'm faking like I'm playing. She's out there, and I'm singing with her on the song. We get down on our knees and we're like looking at each other and singing and screaming. And then I get off, and she never said a word about it. She never said, "What the fuck are you doing?" That, <laughs> that was great. That was. I mean, I worked with her for all those years. You know, you think she would notice that I was on stage. What was the song? What were you singing? I I forget. It was pretty like it was a good rock song. You know, I mean, it would be something like "Give Me Shelter" or something, right. something like an up. Oh know. wow! What now? How many different gigs did you do with Whitney Houston? Just the weekend. It was a long weekend, and I. I think I opened for her three three nights, and then it was like a long like like Memorial Day, July Fourth, something like that. And then I I I did a uh, my own headline. It was the first time my headline was on the fourth night, and I did a whole bit about her, like making fun of her and and singing and stuff. <laughs> and, the, and the crew was crying, laughing. That's hilarious. And her father was such a good guy, and he, I felt like he said to me, you know, I really like you. You're, I said, oh, thanks. He goes, I'd love to work with my daughter again. I said, thank you. And I'm thinking, no fucking way. I'd rather be at Jimmy's Clam Bar in Bayonne before they, <laughs> before they shuck the clams. <laughs> Have them shucking in the background. Clack, 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 clack. But anyway, <laughs> it was that bad, huh? Yeah. She, you know, she, like I remember saying on stage, because you know, she's always doing the prayer and like Jesus does, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't know about a lot about religious history. But I don't think Jesus had three hundred pound bouncers pushing old people away. You know, I mean, did she, she was, push old people away? Well, you know, I'm exaggerating. The diva kind of shit, though. Yeah, the diva thing that I couldn't stand for. You that know. diva shit is weird, right? Yeah, I remember that I read this article about Gene Simmons was dating Diana Ross. Wow, that's weird. And, yeah, it was real weird. It was way, way back in the day, and. uh he just couldn't take the diva shit, apparently. Just couldn't take her being mean to all those people. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the argument that they had got. But, the, you know, obviously this is, like, t completely third-hand. <clears throat> well, remember in the millennium when uh, Barbara Streisand uh, did the MGM Grand? I don't know if you remember that. But, no. Well, the funniest part, well, you know how we were all so connected. A friend of mine's brother was a waiter at the MGM, and he would bring her room service, and he was, wasn't allowed to look at her. What? So he had to back into the room with the tray with the, uh, the cart and and just walk away, and not look at her. Is that hilarious? This is Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who um, was told the exact same thing. He was a stagehand, and he was told, "Do not look at her. Do not talk <laughs> to her." And <clears throat> he violated it. He, uh, you know, it said something to her like, "Miss Streisand, your cue is going to be done." And she goes, "Why is he talking to me?" Wow. She pointed to him. Wow. She looked away and pointed to him. So why and they act so sweet when they're talking about their charities and all this bullshit. <sighs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's with that the diva thing is a very weird thing. That that getting above everyone, where you wanted to be treated like royalty. There is a ballet dancer named Rudolf <clears throat> Nureyev. Yeah, ever hear him? Yeah. Okay, so he I used to park cars at the River Cafe in Brooklyn. Did you fuck him? No. No. <laughs> I got. Seemed like one of those guys. I got the second base. <laughs> I got the crack. Just right. the crack. Second base to a guy was different than a I, I girl. Don't know. Right? I don't know. Just a lot that. of guys get second base on each other. It's uh, really no big deal. Okay. Grab a tit. I was hoping you'd go with it because I didn't know what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but he used to come in and I like he was one of those guys with the cape and everything. Uh -huh. And I he fucking hated me because I called him Rudy. 
Yeah, Rudolph. He hated you. Yeah, I go, hey, Rudy, hey, how's it hanging? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I said, because I would always ask him like questions about jumping. You know, I said, could you dunk? <laughs> yeah, I said, you could probably touch the rim with your foot. And he never thought I was funny at all. I was such a wise ass. He's super serious. Oh, yeah, super. Like, talk about the male diva. The ballet. Yeah. It's my life. <laughs> I dance, I, I prance, pirou- I spin, I soar <laughs> through the air, and I'm free. <laughs> I am free. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for people taking themselves seriously in small doses. And you're doing important stuff like brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, but, you want that to be serious. Listen, buddy, you're wearing tights. Well, you're wearing John, tights. You're John, jumping. John, I remember Jonathan Katz's line. One thing you don't want to hear your see, or your, sur- <laughs> your surgeon say is, has anybody seen my lucky scalpel? <laughs> <laughs> You know, we did a we did a Dr. Katz in uh, Austin, Texas. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> How's we he did, doing? He's all right. He's, he's like got, in a. I, I saw him in a hotel completely randomly, and he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, he he got up and did stand up though. He stood up for that. Which what was is nice. wrong with him? What's going MS. on? MS. Oh. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Katz was the open mic host the first time I ever went on stage. At Nick's? No, Stitches. Oh no, kidding. Yep. Yeah, he was the host. Very first time I ever went on stage. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that was your first time. That's such place a used, nice guy. Yeah. That place used to creep me out because you had, when you walked to the back, that had, the wall was so thin. Mm-hmm. I was always afraid it was just going to close up on me. <laughs> <laughs> so you started with Paul, Bar- Paul Barkley in those yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Paul was doing stand They were the connection. They were the connection. Paul Where Barkley owned the comedy connection with oh, Billy that. Downs. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing uh, Nick Comedy Stop. And I was doing, I was doing that. I was doing the connection, and I was doing stitches. But I started out my first set ever was at stitches. And that was on, uh, I think it was on Com Ave at the time. Com was, there was two. There was two locations for stitches. There was one that was right next door to uh, the Paradise, which was a, a rock club. I saw Jerry Seinfeld perform there once, and then uh, they moved to another location where it was just autonomous it was just by itself and he connected to it that was the first time i ever saw somebody get hit in the face with a bottle oh my god who was that well actually the only time i ever saw anybody get hit in the face with a bottle just i wasn't involved i was just uh just happened to be there and these two guys were arguing at a bar i mean it didn't even seem like they were arguing that much i mean it didn't get like crazy or heated and this guy just smashed this guy in the face with a heineken bottle and fucking blood was everywhere oh, man it was crazy i just couldn't believe someone could just smash somebody in the face with a bottle so easily I'll never forget that because it just made me it made me realize like there's certain people out there oh, yeah. that are already at nine. Yeah. You know, you might be at zero. You walk into a bar. <clears throat> you're like, hey, how's everybody doing? What's up? How are you? Yeah, I'll have a, you know, martini, extra 30. That's yeah. how you like it. <laughs> and then for whatever reason, your elbow touches some guy. He spills his drink a little bit. Whatever the fuck it was. I don't know what happened. I didn't see it. I mean, I was I was a good distance away in a crowded bar. But I just happened to look over as these guys were exchanging words, and I saw that guy bottle that guy in the face. And I was like, whoa. Well, the, the whole bar mentality, the guys that will get in a fight because somebody bumps into them, you're going to get bumped into if you're in a crowd. <clears throat> yeah, well, if someone bumps in, you know, they say sorry, and that's the end of it, no matter what happens. Even if, if you get fucking wet, it's like nobody, the 99.9% of the time, nobody's meaning to do that. But that this the, the the ability to bottle somebody in the face like that. I mean, that guy was scarred for life. There's no question oh, about sure. it. Oh, sure. For nothing, nothing. I know? never. I was never in a fight in a bar. The only fights I've ever <laughs> been in, they were all about sports. They were all playing. You know, oh, during a game. Yeah, yeah. I've seen well, that. They used to have this uh, thing in Boston, this comics uh, baseball game, like a softball game, 
every Monday, I think it was. And we'd all get together, and uh, the fucking heated screaming matches. Oh, I would yeah. watch these comics get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was fucking out. He was <laughs> fucking out. I was like, God damn it! You're playing <laughs> softball. Right. This is a comedian softball <laughs> game. I remember Brian Frazier and this other guy Matt were just in each other's face, fucking screaming and spitting at each other. It was just madness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they and they were probably they probably would have if one guy. Did something they touched the other guy they probably would have beaten each other's brains out yeah right there they probably would have fought to the death <laughs> <laughs> over fucking softball over whether or not a guy's foot had touched the bag before or after the other guy had caught the ball that was oh, a yeah. big dispute no, joe it could be it could be scrabble if you if guys are feisty they're feisty well that's what's dumb about it is like there's nothing on the line here there's no. nothing on the line this is not professional it's not even amateur it's not organized nobody gives a shit if anybody wins or loses yeah that there's nothing that's worth it my my little cousin who thank god he went to rehab we're walking down the street i was i was doing helium in philly did you ever do that club love that club yeah <clears throat> i'm walking down and these these three kids are waiting for this homeless guy he's in a, a sleeping bag to fall asleep because some people had laid money on him so my cousin all of a sudden is gonna be the hero right and they were all uh, and the guy said to me, he goes, listen, man, get your boy out of here or I'll fucking murder him. And I'm, I'm sure he was, he was holding a piece or something. You know what I mean? But like, like I, I said to my cousin. What? I don't understand. The good, well, they, they, were, they were waiting for the guy to fall asleep <clears throat> to take his money. They were betting on it? Oh, they were. No, just waiting for him to, you know, they were going to take the money that people had put on his chest when he, you know, he was a homeless guy. And there were three just bad fucking dudes three o'clock in the morning i said to my cousin there's nothing you can win from this mm. you want to protect him call the cops don't get yourself involved jesus you christ stupid <clears throat> thing getting me killed getting you know <clears throat> for nothing you can run into the wrong people i mean that that, that is the world of nightlife of cities of yeah and the and the people that are most dangerous <laughs> are the ones that got nothing to lose <clears throat> yeah or they don't even realize they have something to lose they're not even thinking yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are just not planning ahead, or they think life is some fucking movie. They're going to pistol whip somebody, and that's going to be the end of it. You know, many times you see in a movie a guy cracks somebody over the back of the head with a with a piece. And the guy goes down and wakes up an hour later. Oh, oh yeah. what happened? And then he gets in a bunch of fights. Well, maybe movies, fighting is such bullshit, as you know. First of all, hardly anybody gets knocked out. Yeah. Everybody, everybody gets knocked out in westerns. One punch, a girl knocks him out. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and and fights are so slow. Real fights in real life are a couple of quick punches and people grab people. You know what I mean? Most fights are just a sucker punch. I've seen some fights last a while, but not usually. You know what I mean? And and like a lot of times, people are basically they're down deep. They're pussies, so they want to have a fight that's broken up immediately. Yeah, what's always f shocking to me is when I watch people fight and they don't know how to fight. Like, you got in a fight and you don't even know what you're doing? Like, I'm terrified to get into a fight, and I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah, because you're smart enough to know how bad it is. But I just can't imagine someone would just not have any skill at all. Like, yeah. have no idea what to do. And somehow or another, you find yourself, fuck you, bitch, and you're throwing crazy punches. Right. You're out of gas almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Like, what have you risked your life on? You've, you've taken this crazy chance. Like, you don't. it's like... You don't know what you're doing. It's like getting on stage and playing guitar when you don't know how to play guitar. Right. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, what are you doing? You're fucking crazy. <laughs> like that time when you got on stage, what if they had give, given you a real guitar and you had to play and sing with Cher? Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't like, do what anything. What the fuck? I'd be playing chords from Norwegian Wood. 
Do you play any musical instruments now? No, I just I I, I play a little bit of guitar, but I'm left-handed, so I rarely have you know, unless I have one in the house. But I'm not any good. Oh, you have to have a different kind of guitar for the it's, left. Well, hand. it's completely opposite. The string it's string differently. So do you have it strung upside down? That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are some I think they make like that. McCartney's left-handed, and I used to watch him play bass. And when you, you know. see those guys that would have like two and three necks in their guitar, is yeah. that like a fad? Is that out? I don't know what that. In there, I, to me, it's like so cool. You know, Led Zeppelin, uh, Jimmy Page used to have that. Yeah. But I don't even know what it does. I guess they, you know, it probably they they have a different chords. The frets are different, so they have like different chords already set up, so they can go back and forth. I'm imagining that's that's what it is. Yeah, I'm imagining too. I've been on a Hendrix kick the last uh, few weeks. Fucking great, ain't he? <clears throat> oh, he's the, I mean, I've always been a huge fan. I mean, that's the why I re- named the show the Joe Rogan Experience. Oh yeah, that's the I, reason I why. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, look right behind me, a Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Hendrix fan. What was he arrested for? Heroin, Toronto. Oh. Holla. He was trying to take <laughs> it into the country. Yeah. Whoops. That's a good move. <clears throat> Somebody should tell him. He was left-handed as well. Yeah. yeah. Someone should tell him. Just heroin in Toronto. Why? Who else it. is left-handed? Uh, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain was left-handed. Uh, you know, there's a high instance of uh, left-handed genius. A lot of left-hands. Yeah. Look I, at you, you left-handed you, genius. <laughs> left-handed people, uh, oftentimes, you know, one thing that left-handed people apparently excel at is fighting. <clears throat> there was like a um, a study done on left-handed people. They were trying to correlate left-handed people with violence. They were trying to say that left-handed people um, perhaps are more violent or better at violence. Uh, they couldn't make that correlation. This is from a Radio Lab podcast. But when they did, what they did figure out is that left-handed people are better at fighting. Because, and one of the reasons is they're doing everything the opposite way. Yeah. So it confuses everybody. Well, my father was a boxer, and he taught me to start right-handed. If you know, if I was ever sparring at like summer camp. Mm-hmm. And then switch left-handed instead of confuse the fuck out of them. Yeah, yeah. Left-hand is weird because the jab's coming from the wrong side. You're expecting the jab from over here, and it's coming yeah. from over here. And then the left hand is the big weapon instead of the right hand. It fucks you up unless you're used to it. But you got to get used to it. Like some guys, they would always have their toughest fights against southpaws. Like they would do great against orthodox fighters, but they could never get their rhythm against southpaws. Did you watch the fight? Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the few people that liked it. You like? See, I didn't like it. I loved it. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I thought it was a fascinating yeah, you, fight. You, you know why? Because you know some, so much more about uh, martial arts and boxing and stuff. I, to me, I, I wanted to see a fight, not a boxing match. Mm. You know? Like, I wanted to see anger. There was no anger, nothing. Did you see Canelo Alvarez, James Kirkland, the next week? The one, the knockout? Yeah. I, I saw the knockout. Whoa, I was fucking... fucking Christ, you see that, that look on his face when he was out on his feet oh, yeah. going down? Canelo Alvarez is a fucking beast. He's a bad motherfucker, but his style is the style that... That's the Mexican um, kid, right? Yeah, yeah the red-headed, red-headed yeah, yeah. handsome fella. Um, his style is the kind of style that everybody really wants to see today, like Gennady Golovkin, like this seek-and-destroy destruction. Yeah. Floyd Mayweather is not that guy. Floyd Mayweather is a wizard. I mean, he really is a magician in there. Oh, he's smart. He's not getting hit, and he's defensive, and he's counterpunching, but... You know, like because of the the stuff that you're involved in, I got more used to exi- action. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, I know they get locked up sometime on the floor for too long, but it's still it's it's pretty funny when even they're locked up and the guys just pounding the other guy's temple. Well, there's more variables in MMA, and that's what makes it more exciting. 
because you never know what the fuck's going to happen. You never know if guy's going to kick you or take you down or try to submit you or punch you. There's just so many different things going on, and there's so many different things you have to think about and prepare for, and so many different angles that a person could take when things aren't going their way. You yeah. know, and that just doesn't exist in boxing. When you're a guy like Manny Pacquiao and you're fighting a guy like Floyd and Floyd's got you figured out after the first round, good luck. You know, he, your only luck, the, the best case scenario is you land a really good left hand and then you follow up with a combination. And he tried to do that a few times, but Floyd just went into that defensive shell and yeah. then just shook his head at him. Nope. Didn't do it. Right. Nope. You didn't hurt me. You know, he's just the best ever. I, you know, a lot of people give me shit about saying that. Like I had an argument with Max Kellerman about it when he was like, Sugar Ray Robinson's the best ever. You know, how could he be the best ever? Sugar Ray Robinson lost to Jake LaMotta. You telling me that Floyd Mayweather would lose to Jake LaMotta? I'm telling you, you're out of your fucking mind. Floyd Mayweather would box circles around Jake LaMotta. If they were the same size, Jake LaMotta, as, as great and tough as he was, would never fucking come close. You look at what Floyd Mayweather has been able to do to murderous punchers like Canelo Alvarez. You know, these guys that just smash everybody else. They can't even touch him. They barely can get close to him. He's a wizard. He is a wizard. I, I, I take my hat off to him. You know, you know uh, Angela Dundee? Mm, sure. He used to come and see me in West Palm all the time, and he knew that I, you know, my, I, had, I had, like, some history of boxing in my family, and he brought me this great picture of all the Philly fighters. And I was uh, at, the, at the dinner with him one night, and I, I started picking his brain a little. I said, who's the baddest motherfucker of all of them? He said, who do you think of all the guys that you saw or, or managed, was, could beat anybody? He goes, Sonny Liston. Hands down. Wow. He said everybody was afraid of him. He said, you know, he was he had a lot of problems. But whatever. I don't know what mob ties he had, but apparently heroin and, you know, that second Ali fight was definitely thrown. Oh, yeah. You know, or you could say it's such a joke. The, phantom the way punch. he's faking. Well, he got punched. Like, they call it a phantom punch. It's not a phantom punch. He definitely got punched. But he was waiting for the first punch to land right. so that he could just lay down. Like, pull that up, Jimmy. We go watch this. It's uh. Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston 2 in Lewiston, Maine. You know who I thought it was going to be? Foreman. Because of his size and his strength. But he, you know, he said Liston was the toughest. Yeah, well, you know what? Foreman, before Ali beat him, was a different animal. Post-Ali, he was never the same guy because that air of invincibility was gone. And then he had that crazy fight. I believe it was with Ron Lyle. They just fucking blasted each other in the head and knocked each other down like four or five times. Do you remember the punch that he hit? George Foreman with in Jamaica. Picked him up. Not George Foreman, Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. Yeah, yeah he yeah. picked him up in a stomach punch. I don't yeah. remember what, what he hit him with, but I remember his his legs literally came up off the ground. I, I never saw that before. That yeah. Was incredible. He was a monster. He yeah. was such a fucking murderous puncher. I, I was at the Spinks uh, Tyson fight. That uh, Michael Spinks. Yeah, we talked about this oh, a couple did. times oh, okay. on podcasts. How scary! Yeah. He's up, jump the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's really. He oh, was, you know what? We, I think we talked about it at the Laugh Factory. I think we talked about it more than once uh, because it was such a. I mean, you were there for like one of the most stunning moments in boxing history. Yeah, it was cool. A lot of people thought Michael Spinks was going to give him a hard time because Spinks had gone twelve rounds at Larry Holmes and you know and beat Larry Holmes by decision and you know and he was the light heavyweight he was a good champion. Boxer. He was a good boxer. He just had no business. He was so small, no. too. He was barely 199, you know, and he's fighting Mike Tyson. Tyson, was, Tyson wasn't much bigger, you know, in comparison to today's fighters. He was probably like 220. He was built better, though. He's yeah. compact. And <clears throat> 1965, Lewiston, wow. Maine. Watch this. Because uh, Ali still looking slick, man. There's still, to this day, no heavyweight that moves like him, man. No. Look how fucking good he moved. 
so light on his feet for a guy who's 220 pounds or whatever the hell he was side to side all that head movement yeah. i mean you can't look at that you can't even touch him listed with lunge forward with that jab good luck now here he gets him with the punch like right as he tries to listen tries to crowd him and it happens with uh ollie's uh face to the camera so listens back to the camera and he just comes with an overhand right and as soon as he catches listen on the jaw listen goes down like he got shot I think it's right here right here it's insane. whenever it is it's when Liston's backs to you oh. but look how beautiful Ali moves man yeah it's amazing I mean he really did float and this is the real Ali this is the Ali of 1965 you know before the army and all that yeah man the army fucked him that whole thing fucked him because for three years, from 1967 to 1970, he was completely out of commission. At, at his total prime. Yeah. Like, watch. We'll show the difference here. Like, when when he finally catches, like, Liston, even though Liston's moving towards him, he it doesn't even look like he's trying to hit him. I wonder if they had, like, a, they gave him a time where he had to get knocked out, too. I mean, it must be probably the first probably round. Probably because of all the gambling on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was everything. Here it is. Boom, right there. I mean, that. There's no fucking way. <laughs> there's just no fucking way. What a bunch look, of bullshit. The way he's going down, the way he gets up. Oh, look, he yeah, faked. Right. He, you could see him thinking, <laughs> I should probably fall down here. And he gets up finally. And Jersey Joe Walcott is a referee, too, I believe. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's Joe Walcott. And something happened there, and now Ali's just tuning him up. And now they, they stopped the fight? That's it? So I guess it, he had reached a 10 count. I forgot that he got up after that. Yeah. Here's the knockout in slow motion. What? <laughs> I mean, he does hit him. Everybody calls it the phantom punch, but watch this punch. He definitely does hit him. As Liston moves forward, he does boom. See? Yeah. Clean hit. No doubt about it. He definitely tagged him. But it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of punch that would put a guy like Liston out. It would probably stun him, but I just, it did, I didn't believe that that was a real one punch knockout. Now watch that, and now watch. Uh, he came back against uh, the white dude Jerry Quarry. Jerry, that was his that was his comeback fight, Muhammad Ali versus Jerry Quarry. And when he fought Jerry Quarry, this was in after he had taken all that time off, and his body just looked different, man. He just, like, Jerry Quarry was, like, a really tough guy who, by the way, before he died, couldn't even figure out how to walk. Like, he couldn't figure out where he was. Didn't know where his underwear was. Yeah, he was gone. Oh. He was, didn't, couldn't, if he walked out his front door, he'd never make it back inside. He was just gone. And Ali's talking to him here. But if, like, if you look at Ali's body... Like, as Ali goes back, the thing about Ali was that if he wasn't training for a fight, he wasn't working out. So he didn't spend those three years lifting weights and running right. hills and fucking hitting the heavy bag. He wasn't doing anything. I mean, he's probably just just fighting to keep from getting locked up in jail, you know? But if you look at his body, like, look at it. He's all smooth and there's no muscles. Yeah. Like, look at him. He looks like shit. I mean, he doesn't look anything like he used to look. I mean, he's he's bouncing around a little bit in the beginning, but he's just 
not the same guy. But he still had some pretty big fights at the end. Yeah, he did, but he was never the same guy. I'll never forget Larry Holmes trying to get the refs to stop the fight because he didn't want to beat him up anymore. That was awful. It was his, his idol. That was awful because that was after Ali had no money left and he was really suffering from Parkinson's already. He Was, was already, he really? Yeah, he was already know. kicked in. He was already uh, in really bad shape. Well, you know, as a friend of mine, we used to work at, uh, as doormen together, and Doc Watson's in Philly it was Randall Cobb. Tex Cobb. And we saw him take a beating from Holmes. Yeah. Was, and we were just going, go down, Randall, go down. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. That was the fight that made Howard Cosell retire from boxing. Yeah, I remember that. I'm done. Look no at, more. Look at that little monkey run. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Cosell, who called like some of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, but like if you look at Ali here, I mean, he still looks good, but it's just not the same Ali. No, just not the same guy. He just his body doesn't look the same. He's smooth. I mean, granted, he's had three years off, but he's just. I mean, the the old Ali. Go now to Ali versus Cleveland Big Cat Williams. And I've always said, if you want to look at like Ali in his prime, when Ali was in his prime is when he was fighting this guy, Cleveland Williams. And Cleveland uh. Williams is this big, fucking scary, murderous puncher. And Muhammad Ali boxed this guy's fucking face off. Who, who was the one that he, uh, when he was doing, uh, what's my name, what's my name? Oh, um, shit. Remember that? Uh, yeah. Because the guy wouldn't call, he called him Cassius Clay. Called him Cassius Clay, yeah. What's for- my name, what's my name? I forget who that was. God damn, I'd have to look at his record. You say, wait, wait. But Cleveland Williams, like, look how muscular Williams is. M- Williams is a fucking animal, murderous puncher, and he just could not catch Ali. This is Ali in his prime. This is Ali, like, in 67. He was sleek. He, he goes, oh. But the movement, the side to side, it was like yeah. there was no fucking heavyweights that ever moved like that. No one. I mean, he literally moved faster and lighter on his feet than most welterweights. And he was fighting at 200 plus pounds. I mean, I don't know what he weighed in his prime. He's probably, probably like 220 or something like that. Did you ever see that picture of him and the Beatles? Uh, which one? Classic picture. Just him at the Beatles in Miami. Just a funny thing. I'm trying to find out who that guy was that did that. I know. What's I, my again, name? What's my name? Early career. He's got a bit of a process, Cleveland. Oh, the hair? Yeah. yeah they all used to like that. Sugar Ray Robinson had that too. The conk, they, <laughs> they would call it. Well, you know um, who also was great, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh yeah, dude. He was. Let me find. Why'd you shut it off, Jamie? Keep that shit on, son. I'm trying to find this guy's name. Jamie, how you doing? Jamie's good over there. Look at him, sexy bitch. Um, you sexy motherfucker. Jimmy Chicken Ellis. Jimmy, Jimmy Ellis? Ellis. That's who it was. Yeah. Wow. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it was Jimmy Ellis. That Jimmy he Ellis was a sparring partner, too. He probably was. That's probably what happened. Wouldn't knock him out because he was yeah. so mad at him. Just beat his ass. I'm almost positive it was Ellis. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But if you um, you watch this fight, this, in my opinion, was like the quintessential Ali. And this was, I believe, the last fight before he went away. Um. They just had never seen anybody like this guy before. What did he do in those three years? Did he? He wasn't in prison. No, I think. Well, he, actually, I think he fought. He fought two more times, and then he went. Yeah, he fought Ernie Terrell and then Zara Foley. Um, he went to. Uh, you know, he had to fucking go to court. And he, look at this. God damn, wow. he was fast. Yeah. Look, look at, at this. The legs. Yeah. Pop, 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 and then out of there. I mean, he was he was barely getting hit back then, man. 
It yeah. was so fucking quick. And then you see like his later fights, like when he fought Joe Frazier, like Rumble in the Jungle, and you know there was this. It was so much slower of foot. Probably had knee problems by then, and you know. Oh, he took a beating from Frazier. <sighs> I mean, they, they took a beating from each other. Oh, those were horrendous fights. Those were horrendous fights. His daughter told me May May's a friend of mine. His daughter, you remember, remember mm-hmm, her? Sure, she was always at the store. She's a comic, right? Uh, yeah, I used to, I I remember the first time I I, I brought her up. And I said, uh, you know, about oh no, she brought me up, and I said, May May Ali. I said, I was I was thinking in the back. I wonder if I could beat Ali's daughter in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely not the other one, not Layla. Other one. No, Layla's, Layla's beautiful, man. Scary too. She'll beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beautiful, and she'll beat your ass. Well, May May's an example of how a woman can be pretty and look like her father. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. You know, he's got a son, too, that comes around the comedy store or used to come around the comedy store back in the day. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, and May May uh, introduced me to him one day, and I was like, whoa, this dude looks exactly like Muhammad Ali. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, he was fairly young, the kid. You know, this was like, I want to say 10 years ago, maybe. But Cleveland Williams was like this, like, perfect style fighter to show, like, Muhammad Ali in his best like, he just wasn't there, man. He just wasn't there. Well, he's like, not nearly as quick. Oh, man. Like, look at this. Look at wow. that. That's insane. He was so slick. And he just redefined what it meant to be a professional boxer. He introduced a whole new way of doing it. And now, like, there's a lot of MMA fighters that use this style now. I mean, it's different because they throw kicks and because takedowns are incorporated into it. But a lot of what they call, they call it neo footwork movements. Like Dominic Cruz is probably the best at it. He's the uh, former bantamweight champion and TJ Dillashaw, who's the current bantamweight champion. Both guys are uh, great examples of people that use this kind of misdirection and footwork, like constantly left to right, right to left. But those guys also incorporate switching stances. Like they'll fight southpaw and then orthodox and orthodox southpaw. They go back and forth. Look at this. Ali's just right in front of this dude, and he can't do shit to him. Um, go yep. to the knockout where you see, I don't know where, where it is on this video. It can't be much further than this. When's your next fight, Joe? The next UFC is next weekend. It's where, a big one, too. Where it's at? Chris Weidman versus Vitor Belfort in Vegas. Look at this. Ding, ding. Oh, Ooh, wow. son. He stands over him with his hands up. Oh, he's that yeah. cold. Oh, yeah. He's, that's real. You see, can that's see the way he's breathing. Very different than the way Sonny Liston went down. See that again. Back it up again. To there was, I believe that he got knocked down twice. I might, I might be wrong. Yeah, he got knocked down twice. So, look, this is – yeah, back it up a little bit. You can see the, the, the flurry. No, it's three times. He got knocked down three times. Jeez. Yeah, and then eventually put away. But he just, you know, kept trying to chase him, chase him, chase him. But oh, bing, man. he knocked him down walking away. God damn, that was beautiful. The way he did that, ooh. I, I've watched this fight I don't know how many times. This is one of my favorite all-time performances of any boxer just because it would just, to me, like, you know, there's like certain Mike Tyson fights that yeah. they're just the quintessential Mike Tyson fight. Like Mike Tyson – like uh, like the one that when he won the title, you know, like that was like a quintessential Mike be? Tyson fight. Um, fuck is his name? Fucking shit! I don't remember his first fight. I just remember him being the most terrorizing boxer I've ever I can't seen. Believe I can't remember this. Um, you know, Joe, when he was at his prime, 
he he used to fight, he used to hit through the defense. Oh yeah, no. He, well, he was just so goddamn fast for a heavyweight. There was nobody like him. There had been no heavyweights that were anything. Trevor Burbick. There was no no heavyweights that were any even remotely Trevor like Burbick that. Trevor was guy. like a big lumbering guy too. He just couldn't. He had nothing for Tyson. You know, Tyson yeah. at that time was just so fucking destructive. Yeah. He was so good. But that like okay, Marvis Frazier. That's like the quintessential Tyson fight. When I think of uh, Mike Tyson and his destructive, just 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 on point, motivated, in shape, just yeah. a destroyer. You seen the Marvis Frazier fight? Oh yeah. Oh, that's the quintessential Mike Tyson. I felt fight. bad for him actually. Me too. Shouldn't have been in there. He had no no business. You know, his dad was just this bad motherfucker, and his dad wanted to think that his son was going to be the guy that beat Mike Tyson. But you know, you got to realize, man, that these guys like everybody that comes after you will have learned from everything you do, and your momentum will take them to another level. And that's going to happen with every. I mean, there's lulls in sports. Fighting especially. Fighting especially as lulls. I think basketball and football, they all have lulls too. Whether you have like your superstars and then like there's areas maybe where there's no no one that's consummate or uh, no one uh, no one is um, like like the level of a, a Jordan or a Kobe Bryant yeah. or a LeBron James. Like there's only a few guys that ever hit that like super, super athlete yeah. level. They rose above the sport. This yeah. is the first time in my life I couldn't name five boxers. Really? Yeah. Right now? I could easily, but uh, it's it's a weird time for boxing for sure. I, mean, I remember remember when all those welterweights and when Duran and Pe- Carlos Palomino and oh, all those yes. guys were fighting. There was a bunch of guys. Well, you know what? Those were on ABC Wild World of Sports. I don't know the heavy, heavyweight champ. Who's that? Vladimir heavy? Klitschko. Say yeah. And Deontay Wilder, I think he has another t- one of the titles. But the the thing about Vladimir Klitschko is he's this big Russian guy. And, you know, you would think like a white guy that's the heavyweight champion, this would be a crazy time. Like everybody would be excited to see him. He's the most boring of all <laughs> heavyweight champions possibly ever. He's just very smart. I mean, not boring to me because um, I think he's got a very intelligent style. I mean, if you're six foot six, the way he fights is the perfect way to fight. Yeah. He jabs you, jabs you, drops a right hand and clinches. Jab, jab, clinch. Jab, jab, right hand, clinch. Well, that clinching with the Mayweather the other night. Yeah. I was actually looking at the time when the Moran left. I was so bored. <laughs> yeah. Oh, minute 54. I don't feel like watching this shit. I was watching it with my wife, and she was yelling out, like, God, this is so boring. <laughs> she she actually said this. She goes, you should have to get knocked down in order to win. Like, you should have to get knocked down. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. She goes, well, then it'll be exciting. Like, to someone who doesn't watch boxing, Melissa, I could see that that would be really boring. Melissa Carey said something to me that I thought was interesting. She said, why don't they penalize a guy for holding too much, for clinching? It's defending yourself. You're smart. Yeah, but I mean, I like the, if they took points off for that, then there mm-hmm. wouldn't be as much clinching. Well, they put, took points off of Klitschko in his last fight, and it actually got kind of interesting. Yeah, because Klitschko is, you know, he's famous for that. He's famous for holding on to guys, and he's a big fucking dude. He's huge. You know, he's six foot six, so he'll pop you and then grab a hold of you and wrestle you and put a lot of weight on your neck. You know, like uh, they they lean on you and put all make you carry their weight. Like that's right. a famous way that guys will kind of try to sap strength out of you. It's essentially like they're trying to grapple with you. Right. And they took a point away from him. The referee was a, just a real stern referee, and then it forced him into some dangerous situations where Klitschko was, you know, he was really getting threatened 
like for the first time, like we've seen any of his fights for a long time. But there's no one out there that's like a Tyson. You know, there's no, no. like if you had a LeBron James, like LeBron James became a boxer when he was young instead of became uh, a basketball yeah. player and was just as dedicated to boxing as he is to being a basketball player. There's still some crucial elements. You can be a great athlete in other sports, but you wouldn't be a great fighter. I mean, you might be able to be a great baseball player or be a great basketball player. But when it gets down to fighting, there's some intangibles involved in fighting that don't exist in any other sport. you got to be willing to go out there and, and risk your health. And no one is there to help you. There's no one yeah, there to help you. No you can't pass worker. the ball. You yeah. can't, can't, there's no timeouts. You, 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 you will go into the fire. And you have to be able to, you got to be able to hold yourself together under just a barrage of fucking punches and the most dangerous guy in the world who's your opponent who's trained for eight weeks for this moment just to kick your ass. I mean, he's been not drinking, not partying, sleeping all the time just so he can have more energy to fuck you up. Yeah. Well, now, now there's the best athletes don't go into boxing no. or baseball. They go into football and basketball, I think. Well, even MMA. You know, we have a hard time uh, finding the best athletes in MMA. There's a, a few of them now that are just starting to leak into MMA, like guys who are like Olympic caliber wrestlers who are tremendous athletes. I thought that guy Silva was really good. Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, Anderson was a very good fighter. I mean, he's the greatest of all time, no, no doubt about it, and he's a very good athlete. But, you know... Like a Jordan, you know, Anderson Silver was not Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, he was a f f fantastic fighter. Is he still fighter. fighting? No. Well, yes, but he's suspended for quite a while because he tested positive for steroids after he broke his leg. Mm. He broke his leg, then fought again and won, but tested positive for steroids. Um, but the um, the difference, I think, is, I mean, there's no doubt that Anderson is a spectacular athlete and the best MMA fighter of all time. But I just think the level of competition that's involved in MMA, or at least was in his division, now that division is fucking stacked with killers. But when he was in his prime, there was a long time where, like, the title challengers were like Patrick Cote or Talos Latis or these guys that, like, really weren't at his level. But now there's like seven or eight guys in the UFC's middleweight division that are just murderers. So it's one of those things where a guy like Anderson, who's the cream of the crop, the best of the best, pretty much the best ever. And because he's at such a high level, all those guys that are training that see him and aspire to be him or aspire to beat him, those guys all come up in the gym. And by the time Anderson's done, when the new guy comes along, Chris Weidman, there's like this overwhelming momentum of competition behind him because all these guys have been under the shadow of the greatest ever you know so I it's it comes in waves i saw him do uh it was he was losing the whole fight and then, yeah. and then he got right at the end he got a guy with his triangle his legs around his mm -hmm. head yeah chill sonnen chill didn't have to tap there either you, you know? remember that fight yeah oh yeah i mean i don't know if chill was exhausted or if i don't know what happened Chael could have got out of that because that wasn't a fully locked-in triangle. People have gotten out of way tighter triangles. But the fact – there's a bunch of factors, though. Like, one is, like, Chael kind of was susceptible to submissions. And it was a psychological thing where he, sometimes he would be winning a fight and he would just couldn't take the pressure or something. He would just get submitted. But that fight in particular was weird because he was that close to winning the fucking middleweight title. Oh, man, was he close. He was so close. I mean, it was a go. It was, he was running away from it. Got him in the last minute, right? Yep. 
Yeah, uh, the fifth round. And um, the, to get caught in a triangle like that, like he didn't have to get caught in that triangle. He could have played it smart and just held that guy down, kept his posture, and, you know, he he got caught and, you know, he tapped pretty much immediately. And then he tried to, like, not say he tapped. It was like there was a lot, a lot of weird shit that happened there. Your career is amazing when you think about I told you, my, my friend McGettigan, the guy who prosecuted uh, Sandusky, mm -hmm. he said, I think Rogan's the best announcer on uh, – in any sport right now on TV. Well, that's very nice of him. And uh, I remember when I was complimenting you on stage at Laugh Factory, and you said, I'm very uncomfortable with this. But I would love for the, I would love for the people to see you it's doing stand-up because you're so good at being serious. with this. If they ever saw your act, that would, it, it would be explosive to them. Well, you yeah. know, I think people like to define people in one way. Like you're either silly or you're serious or, you know, you're either sexy or you're goofy, you know, you whatever, right. you know, everybody wants to be defined in one way or another, or you, it seems it's easier to define people, but we all have like various aspects to our personalities. We all, we all have like weird subtleties. Yeah, but we're all not at the same, at, like at a high level of both. Yeah, but it's just time, you know, just put, I put a lot of time into doing well, stand up. It's also talent, Joe, don't. <laughs> you know, don't t turn away from it. I mean, it's like, you know, you get a lot of people, we've seen a lot of people put time in and they've gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, but don't you think they're doing it wrong? Like, like, like when they put time, like people put time in, but what, what are they doing with that time? Like how, how much are they looking at themselves? How objective I don't know. are they? I just don't think they have the, the certain gifts, you know? I mean, I think like one of the things I, I, I study is, is us stand up comedians. Mm-hmm. And there are some people, you can see them walk on stage, they, they're putting their bottle of water down, and you know they're going to be good. Mm. They got a, an aura about them. There are some people that are so just needy and not natural, and, you know, the not natural thing is tough, because I, I don't know what you do about that. No matter how hard you work, just not a natural wit. I was watching somebody last night, and I don't want to name him. Uh, name him. Don't, don't name him. No, I don't, want, I don't want to name him, because I wouldn't want to hurt him, but... Chris Alia? No, Chris is a natural... Brian Callen? Brian, Brian Callen should I name should, all my friends? Brian Callen should be out of the business. He's a, he's a sham. He's a mock. That motherfucker. <laughs> you know what he is? He's a poor man's you. Uh -huh. I'll tell you. Let me tell you something. There's no funnier guy for uh, a five-day hunting trip. I love Brian Callen. I love Brian Callen, too. He's a, I, I, I go I was, on hunting trips with him. Yeah, yeah I know. five uh, days of gay jokes. Uh -huh. Five unrelentless, <laughs> nonstop hilarity like he just fucking never stops. Well, he's got that sophisticated side of him. He's so oh. goofy on stage. He's doing uh, Christopher Walken as a pigeon. Yeah. And then you're talking to him about uh, this is a really fun Chateau Briand, uh, uh, Chateau Neuf de Pop. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got all these like wines he knows. And he knows a lot about know. wine. He knows where the grapes come from, what part of the country, and he he studies that shit. I he's supposed, a weirdo. I was supposed to do his podcast last week. I never heard from. him. That's just so disappeared? Him. That's so him. I don't know. Oh, that's know. so him. You know, yeah. Dub, Dub Davidoff is always saying, I, you know, he's my friend because I love him, but he's always late. Yeah. He's always, you know, but he is a character. Oh, he's, but you can't be a guy like Brian Callen unless you're late, unless you're flaky. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things of him, but it's one of the reasons why I like hunting with him, too. He can't go anywhere. I'm stuck with him for five days. <laughs> and we're hanging out on an island in Alaska. Just Oh, I could never do that. Man. We have so much fun. We have so much fun. I just watched uh, an episode last night. Uh, of us from the Prince of Wales Island that I hadn't really watched the whole episode before. What's it on? I'd love to see it. It's on the Sportsman's Channel, which is like an all-hunting channel. And um, What's it's, it called? It's called Meat Eater. And it's uh, me it. and Callan 
Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. I'll send you a link so you can watch it online. Oh, cool. It's fucking great. It, he's so funny, man. I mean, it's it's you don't get a sense of how really funny he is on the show because they they show a little of us goofing off, but most of it's so inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he'd be like, uh, like we're gonna ready, we're gonna kill some deer. Tom, you got a piece on you. You know, and like it all of a sudden it'll it'll like start he'll start talking about your cock for five minutes, and it, it, it's one of those things where it's it's funny, and then you're like, is how long can he keep doing this? Then it gets funnier, and then you're like, well, surely this is going to end soon. <laughs> nope, it gets funnier and then funnier, and then you know you see him an hour later, and you can keeping it warm for me. <laughs> like he'll just like, it's just he's so ridiculous. Now who goes out there with you besides you two? Uh, uh, well, there's Steve Runella, who's the host of the show, uh-huh. um, and then usually he brings either uh, Ryan Callahan, who is uh, another uh, very experienced hunter and a guy who runs this uh, clothing company called First Light Clothing Company. It's like an all-hunting clothing company. It's all merino wool stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that like all these different you know synthetics, all these different things that they've created for clothes and for you know for textiles. Wool, merino wool, is still like the best shit at keeping you warm. Uh-huh. Just lamb's wool. It's weird. So uh, that guy, uh, Ryan Callahan, will come with us. Giannis Putellas, who's one of the other guides that. Uh, that uh, Renella uses, and you know, we find a place to go. Like we went turkey hunting a couple weeks ago. That was up in Napa. It was fucking crazy. I think, yeah, I think you told me about that. That was great because we would go turkey hunting through the day, and then we'd go to like the best restaurants in the That's world. That's what I was at thinking. Night. Oh, See, I would so go there. Good. I would do that. I wouldn't do the <laughs> island thing. Well, turkey hunting's easy too. It's great. You, well, Where, are maybe they, not are easy there for wild you. Wild turkeys in, in nature? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that must sound like such a stupid question. No, it's some... a good question. When the fuck do you ever see a wild turkey? I never in saw West one. Hollywood. <laughs> Go to your apartment. I don't see a wild turkey on the way to your house. I see pigeons. <laughs> um, you sit. You stick a rubber turkey in the ground, like a female turkey, and you got to hide because turkeys have really good eyesight. So you wear camo, and I wear like a, a ghillie suit on my face, and you know you're like completely tucked away behind this uh, this mesh camo background like everything is like completely designed to 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 camouflage you from these birds and um minimal movement you can't move they see you moving the fucking bolt they're out of there and you put the rubber turkey in the ground you gotta (laughs) make these weird hen turkey noises they have all these different kinds of uh turkey call uh things that they use to try to generate the sound to call these fuckers in and then uh, the turkey comes in to check out the uh, rubber turkey, and you blast him. Boom! They have to shoot him? So shoot him in the head. Yeah. Shoot him in the head with shoot, a shotgun. So you save his body for food? Exactly. Yeah, you shoot him in the body, then you're going to be pecking pellets out of the body. But I, I shot him perfect. Died the good instant. thing about a turkey, there's no danger you missing and him attacking you. That's true. That's true. Well, like, even a deer will fuck you up if everything goes wrong. What is it, the wild boar that's so dangerous? Oh, they're definitely dangerous. Wild pigs. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, wild boars have these big, crazy tusks. You know, Doug Stanhope told me that. I didn't even know this. Um, Doug Stanhope told me that his next-door neighbor's dog got killed by javelinas. Do you know what a javelina is? Uh This fucked up looking pig looking thing. It's actually from a family called the peccary. It looks like it's a pig, like it's, you know, like a distant cousin of a pig, apparently. Obviously, I'm not a biologist. But um, there it is. There's a javelina. Never saw that. Before. Those fucking evil, cunty looking things, they killed his, uh, his neighbor's dog. Like, look at the tusks. You see the teeth? Look at up there. Look at their fucking tusks. Holy shit. They're like monsters. Yeah, they're freaky. And um, Remember that joke, Joe, about... Look at those fucking teeth. Jesus. Oh, yeah. 
Oof. Oh, look at those lower fucking fangs. What were we saying? Remember that, that joke? joke about the uh, Irish kid goes up to his father and he says, can I get $5 for a guinea pig? The father goes, get $10, get yourself a nice Irish girl. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know what guinea means. No, as soon as I heard the word pig. Guinea's going out of style. You don't hear that anymore. It's it's definitely not on the West Coast. Not a West Coast. In the East Coast, you hear it. Yeah, hey, you Guinea here. bastard. I love you. Yeah, but it's okay. Like we call each other Guineas, and it's all right. Italians are very uh, they're not thin skinned about names. No, well, you grow up being abused constantly. Hey, you know, a yeah, little. <laughs> I never, you know. I mean, the Irish are not not thin skinned either. No. Now, well, you know, they at one point in time were minorities. I mean, it's it's interesting when you watch. There's a parallel to boxing because if you look at boxing in the United States, it's always the immigrants that are at the lower end of the social ladder yeah. that were the really the best at boxing, and they're fighting it, their way out. It was Jews for a long time. There was a lot of Jewish boxers. You know, that's one thing. There were that, a lot of Jewish basketball players too. Yeah, I heard Red Auerbach and all. You know, yeah. that whole his generation before that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Jews still are big basketball fans. Like Sus- yeah. Sussman's a huge basketball fan. There's a lot of a lot of Jews in New York, especially. They just love basketball. Woody Allen said every fucking oh, yeah, Woody basketball game, every game with his daughter slash wife. You know that Sussman story about Steve Steve Sharippa? Which one? Steve Sharippa. You know it, Steve Sharippa for everybody. He's on the Sopranos. Terrific actor. Good. Yeah, friend. he was. Um, Bacala or something. Richie? Is that what his name was um, on those panels? I don't know. He's Big great. guy. Big guy. Really funny. And he was working in Vegas. This is the time he, before he was acting. And, you know, Steve knew everybody in Vegas could get everything comped. And I remember Sussman said to him, Steve, we're going to go to Lake Mead on uh, Saturday. Want to go? He goes, no, I can't go, but I can get I can comp you a boat. And Jeff <laughs> says to me, who the fuck could comp a boat other than Sharippa? I forgot about that. I remember that, though, now. Yeah, Sharippa used to run, before he became a big actor uh, on The Sopranos, he used to run the Riviera. He was a talent booker at the yeah. Riviera, which was the first he place was one in of the Vegas funniest guys. Worked. Was it? He was hilarious. Yeah. He still is hilarious. He's yeah. a fucking hilarious he, dude. Yeah, he's hilarious. I'm going to get him on the podcast. We've been trying to work out a date because he's always writing books and shit. He's always got something yeah. new coming out. But I love that guy. He's always been great, too. He's a fucking hilarious guy. Well, he has no gray in him. He either hates you or yeah. loves you. Yeah. That's it. Uh, he's an animal, too. I remember we were in the Riviera showroom, and some guy uh, threw a cigarette on the ground and, and, and stepped on it, like, inside the showroom. Ooh. And he fucking screamed at this guy in front of everybody, you fucking moron. What are you doing? You going to light this place on fire, you stupid fuck? I yeah. pick it up. Like, like this is a guy who's, you know, a p- you know, patron. Right. He's telling the guy to pick it up. You know, Shrimp is enormous. He's yeah. a giant dude. Very big. And so the guy came over and picked it up and meagerly went back to his seat. <laughs> but he was um he was always this character like this really funny character and i believe drew carey gave him his first break like drew carey put him in something like they were friends because yeah. sharippa used to book the riv and then um like you could see like i feel like it was like the opening of one of drew carey's comedy specials maybe it was you know i, I had a pilot called dom time and it was like a sports uh talk show and Steve was my announcer. I asked him to be my announcer. And this is before I had any idea he was even interested in it. Because he had that voice. Everybody, yeah. day, you know. Tom Herrera, how are you? <laughs> yeah. He's just a fucking character, man. Yeah. Just such a character. And then all of a sudden, he's on The Sopranos. And I was like, whoa. And he's fucking killing it. I was I mean, re- dramatic I was, acting. Yeah. Really good. Oh, he's done great. But I- no experience. 
well, he worked hard. He works with my friend Joanne Bexon. Remember Joanne? She, mm-hmm. he, yeah. she teaches uh, acting. And, you know, I remember reading, reading the, uh, the sides for The Sopranos with him in Montreal. And he started to act. And I remember saying to him, Steve, don't act. <laughs> you, they want you. They want you. This is what they want. You, oh, you, right. You're already a character. You don't need to act like a, you know another character. Just be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool when something like that happens. I love seeing someone just just take off. Like all of a sudden they're they're doing great. I just love that. I love see, I love knowing a guy when they're struggling and then seeing them when they're awesome. Just that's one of the the most there are certain, pleasurable things to me. Yeah, and there are certain guys that kind of everybody's happy for. Yeah, like Ray Romano when he sure and uh, you know Billy Gardell. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. Great guy and Billy. His manager said, you know, you're so popular, even the bitter guys are happy for you. <laughs> Something like that. It's true. I never hear a bad word about Billy. He's uh, a great guy. He's in a weird situation, man, because that Melissa McCarthy chick that he's on that show with is fucking huge. Yeah, but he's She's still, in every movie. Yeah, and she's, she's, she's very hot, but he takes it. He, he enjoys it for her. I mean, he's, he's cool. Oh, no, no doubt. But yeah. I'm saying it's, it's, it's so weird. Like he's a really good stand-up. Yeah, and he's a very for, good actor too. For whatever reason, everybody's paying attention only to her. I mean, the whole show was kind of written right. He's like the straight man yeah. for her wacky antics. You know, right? Yeah, she's in a big movie now. I feel bad for her in some sort of strange way. I feel bad for her because she's so big. You know, I just like she jokes around about it and she she talks about you know how she's having a great time and I, I imagine she is. She's a huge star. She's got to get a lot of joy out of uh killing and like having people love her and being so funny because she's really fucking funny i mean she makes that that show really funny too she's really talented yeah but she's so big she's so big and just so unhealthy and i see all that extra meat on her just all that oh, gelatinous i happen to be a chubby wiggling. are you really no no but I don't mind that. No, you do very well. <laughs> a lot of people be surprised. Tom Herrera's always done very well. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, do, I do my best, Joe. Whatever happened to that Comedy Central show you did on football? That was a great fucking show, and I don't even like football. You know what it was? It was, beho- it was ahead of its time in the sense that uh, Comedy Central wasn't as big then. And frankly, the show's ratings were good. It was called Offsides. But NFL, the NFL is so fucking rich that they charged so much for the clips that it wasn't worth it for Comedy Central. Really? So that's that's why it died. It didn't die because a miserable, unpopular death. It was popular when it went down, and they still cut a lot of it into NFL films now. So like, I, I woke up the other morning, I saw my face with a leather helmet on, and the first thing I thought <laughs> of was... Look how thin my face was. <laughs> Every, like I told you, got that gig, the drop coming up in Atlantic yeah. City. I'm I'm going down. I was in Philly at Thanksgiving. I'm going down to shore, and I see my picture on a billboard. And instead of going, look at that, I'm in a fucking kid from Philly. I'm in a billboard. I thought, look how fucking thin my face was. Where did I get this fucking head fat? <sighs> you could lose it. You just have to make a decision. But I'm so hungry, Joe. <laughs> I, I understand, but like the decision I made, I don't know. It's, no, you're right. It's, it's it's hard. Hard. Eating healthy is yeah. It's health. It's everything. It's I, for me. It's everything. I went. I, I like. I'll go on a streak of like three or four days where I don't eat that healthy, and I feel. I really do feel dull. Like my mind feels uh, dull. The healthiest thing I eat is lean meat. <laughs> <laughs> lean meat's very healthy. But I mean, I really don't. Uh, I I love bacon. I love bacon too. I'm a huge fan of bacon. I love it. I just think that you need moderation. Well, it's just, 
I think you and I also were both uh, very. I think every comic essentially that we know, are, we're very indulgent. I think that's a characteristic of comedians. It's very, yeah. very self-indulgent, very indulgent, very impulsive. Like comics, like tend to do wild, wacky things. Like you, yeah. you like all of a sudden I'm in this fucking car and I'm hanging out with these broads and rah, oh yeah, you know, like that's the story that every comic has. Crazy, wild. We're doing coke, drinking. Every comic has some crazy indulgent story. You know, like you, I'm setting my alarm clock for six p.m. so I could be at my show at eight. Yeah, you know. Well, you have the best of both worlds because you got a family life and that. Well, I'm pretty disciplined. I, I, but I could get indulgent. But I'm, so I'm saying you go on the road and you have yeah. a good excuse going on the road. You're not going, honey, I'm going on the road just to fuck around. Right. You go for a real job, for real money, and but you have the luxury. You don't have to get up and do morning radio now. That's a big one for me. I, you know, I still have to do morning radio to That's plug hard. the dates. That's hard because uh, and people are oh you poor babe you got to do radio that what's pr the problem is it fucks with your sleep cycle and then that dulls your brain too yeah you're getting up at three in the morning your time yeah ha hangovers dull my brain too if I'm hungover and I try to go on stage I am just not as good Joe I've never seen you drunk I don't get that drunk I try not to I mean I've been a little lit up but I'm I've never been I, well I mean I certainly have in my day. But uh, I just don't make a practice out of it. I just, I'm too aware of the consequences physically. I do too much stuff with my body. You know, it'd yeah. be like if I had a really nice car and I was just like, it'd be fun to piss in that gas tank. Well, I know, <laughs> I know what's going to happen in the fucking car. Right. You know, I, I'd like a, you know, a shot and a beer. But that's like kind of where it ends. Maybe gonna, I'll have a third we're gonna have drink. We're going to have a drink tonight? Let's have a cocktail, like gentlemen. We're going to have it's a drink. It's a sold-out show, Dom Herrera. We're going to have a good time. Craig yeah. Fitzsimmons, Ian Edwards. Is that the show? You and myself. Oh, yeah, that's we're a gonna great have a, show. Oh, we're going to have a good time. The greatest club in the world. That's the oldest comedy club on the earth. Really? Mm-hmm. The oh. Ice House is the oldest comedy club in America. And of course, sorry everybody in the rest of the world, but we invented this shit. Stand-up comedy is an American invention. Yeah, but and the Laugh Factory guarantees laughs. You see the difference? Buddy, I guarantee. <laughs> you didn't laugh, I laugh. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody, I, I didn't guarantee for you. <laughs> How can you guarantee laughs? That's, <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> Yo, your money back. Dave Chappelle was on stage the other night at the Comedy Store. It was very funny. But he was doing this bit about a bad show that he had. You know, where people would be like, you know, God, it must be so hard. I heard hard. about this. This is recently, right? Yeah, he had a fucking ter terrible people show in Connecticut. walking out on him and stuff? Yeah. He's had a couple of those because, you know, Dave's got kind of a slow pace. And if he gets heckled or if you know, people will heckle him and fuck with him, like, sometimes it goes bad, you know? And it can go bad because he's so famous, too. It's like it becomes like this event that he's there. Yeah. It's not just... Did he do real long? The other night? No. No, he did like... He popped in. I want to say he did like twenty minutes. Wow! But he fucking destroyed. And he had the but he had the bit about uh, bombing. <laughs> and yeah. he goes, he goes, man, it must be terrible. What happens? What happens when you get off stage? I mean, it must be awful. Nothing happens. <laughs> just whoop! It didn't work out. <laughs> I still get paid either way. He goes, I get paid for the attempt. <laughs> it was really funny. It was it was fucking hilarious. He did he had a joke about Floyd Mayweather too. I don't know if this really happened, but Whitney Cummings, he said Whitney Cummings yelled out in the middle of Floyd Mayweather's fight. She stood up. Floyd Mayweather beats women, <laughs> and he goes, and men too, bitch. <laughs> 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 and he's laughing while he's doing it. He's like such a jovial. Did he smoke? He oh, smoke? he smokes a lot of cigarettes. He smokes on stage, right? Oh, he smokes a lot of cigarettes. Yeah, he smokes a lot of cigarettes, and he believes a lot of conspiracies. 
I believe he is one of the people that believes that Bill Cosby was somehow set up. Set up by 30 women? I don't think he's, I don't think he believes that Bill Cosby didn't do it, but I think that there's some folks out there. I had an argument with a dude last night at the comedy store about this that works for Live Nation. A fine fellow, not a bad human, but he's perhaps been hanging around with the wrong crowd. And uh, he said, don't you think it's suspicious that it all happened like this right when his show comes out? I go, he's fucking 70. Okay, yeah. he's had a career that's lasted since the 1960s. He had a series in the 1960s. Yeah, I Spy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, man. No, it's not a conspiracy. That's go. They're just trying to sabotage his career after a hundred fucking years at the top. Like, Do you know no. how hard it was for a black man to get a series that mm-hmm. wasn't comedically about uh, like a step and fetch it type black guy in those right. days. Well, he was a he was a cop, right? Wasn't he? He was a, he was I a fought, detective. I spy? Yeah. yeah. That's it. that hurt, that hurts me. That one hurts me. It really hurts me having daughters too. Just it, that that I've heard it from people before. Girls would tell you that they got roofied, and it always it's always like it's always terrifying. But somehow or another, like the girl is telling you he's okay, and they're right in front of you, and you go, "Wow!" It's like it's hard for me to connect to this. God, it's awful and it's terrible, but it's hard for me to connect to this. Like I know it's real, and I know it it happens. But when I heard that Bill fucking Cosby was drugging and raping women, allegedly, I should say, allegedly. They can't make up that many stories. Uh, you could. You certainly could. No, you Joe, get crazy, not, not 30 30, crazy. You get 30 crazy bitches, but I don't think they are. I mean, but, I they, just, but they're not organized. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that they are. I'm saying you certainly could. If somebody, somebody like some crazy bill gates type character wanted to pay 30 people to come up with the same story they could certainly do it. all right right i'm not that. saying that they did yeah but i mean that's beside the point i mean i'm just trying to be as open-minded as possible i'm not a denier in any way shape or form but what what freaks me out is that this is a guy that was loved by fucking millions millions and they yeah. loved him as this fatherly sweater wearing don't tell dirty jokes, you know, like that famous thing from the Eddie Murphy uh, special where he's, you know, getting mad at Eddie Murphy and yeah. Richard Pryor tells him to not worry about it. But apparently he did that to Cat Williams. Have that really bothered that, or Chris me. Chris Rock, rather. That really bothered me the way he treated the young black guys that, uh, yeah. because of their language. And then you find out that he's a felon, an unconvicted felon. I mean. Yeah. Well, he's a, a rapist. Let's say it right. You know, you know Joe, when rapist. I first started, I was on Star Search, and he was the guest host. And I heard shit about him then. Same thing? No. What'd no, just that just, just, he was, a, you know, he was married, but he was a womanizer. And, I, and like, you know, but, I, but there was something creepy about him, even in those days. So, well, you know. That's a long time ago. D- yeah. I mean, there's a big step between a womanizer and a rapist. Yeah, no, I know. The womanizer is a guy who's an enthusiast. He enjoys the ladies. He enjoys the broads. It's hard, but there's just there's a, there's a lack of humanity in someone who's willing to drug a woman. It's so fucking evil. Like I, we were talking about rape, and I was saying that there's no way I could rape somebody because I have too much compassion, and I could never hurt somebody. Like I, you know, I know it sounds like you're like oh big deal. You couldn't rape somebody, but I, I don't even fucking get it. Like how you could be that evil. And ha- to get hard seeing somebody cry and stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm, God, I, my, I'm well, I think bringing it's, this podcast down. I'm sorry. No, no, you're not. You know, I think what we were talking about earlier about divas, about this, you know, get out of my way. I'm better than everyone else. I think they're related 
because I think there's a there's a level of stardom that some people reach that gets the world gets very foggy. Like obviously Cher is a very nice person and she's a very kind person to you and very easy to get along, but detached because of her fame yeah. and because of her popularity and wealth to the point where she feels alienated. She's like, a star at nineteen. Yeah. She never knew the real world. It's true, right? Yeah. Sonny and Cher, man. Yeah. Fuck. That's crazy if you think about it that way. She's been famous for so long you kinda of forget. Nineteen, but, she was a big star. That's nuts. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. You know, that's what the people are good on that song. I love that song, but but it's in it's in tune. But she's a nice person. You know what I'm saying? Like she yeah. made through that and stayed a nice person, even though she's a, a quote unquote diva. She's a diva because she's extraordinarily talented and very respected and loved and all that good stuff. But that thing that makes you like everyone out of my way. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know that. Whether it would Diana Ross did it, and you saw the Whitney Houston thing, the bodyguards pushing the everybody Streisand. aside. Yeah, the Streisand thing. That John f- Mellencamp. He did that. John Mellencamp, friend of mine, uh, Omar, not not the tent maker, another Omar from the Wire. Uh, <laughs> no. <I don't>, <laughs> he uh, he's telling me that you know he was stage managing, and mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to talk to him. You had to talk to his manager, and he would say like right next to. Him. And there's a guy like the blue collar yeah. gritty guy, you know. You know they didn't like him in Indiana. I was in Indiana for a fight, and they showed John Mellencamp's picture, and the fucking whole crowd booed. Why is that? That's what I said, and they, they said because he's a liberal. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because he's—I don't know what he did or said. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But man, there was like a bunch of booze, and I—I I couldn't believe it. I was like, "This is John Mellencamp. Like we're in Indianapolis. He's from this area. Yeah, I was born in a small town. You know, that's well, him. that's why he gives that. That's why he, like of all them, those women that we talked about, I wasn't surprised by any of them. But Being by John Mellencamp, I yeah. thought he was like the gritty right. down the earth. Right, like Bruce Springsteen is notoriously personable. Like if you talk to Bruce Springsteen, like Brian Callen had a conversation with Bruce Springsteen. He said, you talk to that guy and you would think that he's a fucking, yeah. uh, f- you know, whatever. He owns a company or he's a fucking banker or he's yeah, a yeah. normal dude. Yeah, he- but, but obviously charismatic and interesting and intelligent, but <laughs> he doesn't have any airs about him. I was doing Conan I went, and Bruce came up to visit Max, the drummer. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. he's in the same group. And... uh I know you know that, yeah. but uh, he uh, Bruce comes up to me and he says, you know, something about stand up, and and I said, uh, he asked me if I ever open for anybody. I go, yes, I have, and I said, you know what, I would never ever open for you. <laughs> he said, why? I said, what a fucking nightmare. I said, the curtain goes down and they're all going Bruce, then the curtain comes up and I'm standing there with a mic and they're going, you're not Bruce. <laughs> we want Bruce. Whoever the fuck you are, get away. Those are that's a hard thing when you're opening for somebody when they want the other person. That's a shitty thing to say too. I've seen people open for other comics, and you know, bring bring out you know Tosh well, or bring out you know. Well, Sherry used to have me on the bill, so it wasn't like I was surprised. I was right. on the bill. I was on the marquee. That's big. Yeah, that's that's big. That's different. So that, yeah, so people prepare. They know you're part of the program. Well, you remember the whole Bill Burr thing. The Philly thing, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, you know, yeah. that started with me. Yeah. You know that story. Yeah, well, those O&A crowds, the pests, who I love, but those guys are fucking notoriously mean. They're but, notoriously mean. If but, things go bad. <laughs> but the thing that happened was they were so drunk. All they, waited, all they wanted was Jim Norton. Mm-hmm. And I love Jim Norton. Right. Even he, the only one that had a great set was Bill. 
because he berated the fucking people. Right, right. And I even told them, a couple of people booed me. I says, you know what? Make it $12,000 for 10 minutes. Go back to your mother's basement, you fucking retards. <laughs> you know, with your, your emaciated Lazarus looks. And, this was, and, then I, and then I got a cheer, and Bill was still made. He goes, he says to me, like, I don't know on me. He goes, they booed Dom Herrera? I go, Bill, I am Dom Herrera. Don't worry about it. And I went on the speaker, and I just sat there. I was crying, laughing. And the funniest thing he said, he put down everything. The Eagles, the Flyers. The Liberty Bell. Yeah, fuck the Liberty Bell. <laughs> fuck the Liberty Bell. Well, he's talking about how racist they are. Yeah. They've got all the best boxers in the world. You, you, you fucking, you go after a, a fictitious you, character. A fictitious white guy who's five foot five. <laughs> You know what he said to me? He said he, he had to stop doing them because people expected him to lay into them. Oh yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a that was a there was a point in time after that where like that became like what he was known for. Yeah. You, you, it could get bad. You could go bad like that. You could get stuck in a character. Yeah. Like there's guys that are stuck in characters. Oh god. You know? Like Dice is stuck in a character. Oh, imagine being a seventy year old Dice. I, mean, <coughs> I think he's funny. I know you and him have problems. I like him. There's one of my, just certain times in life you have friends that don't like each other. That's just one of those deals. He's a friend? I'm a way better friend of you. I'll tell you right now. But I am friends with Dice. All right. I like Dice. As long as they're not equal. But I love you. Thank you. I love you too. You're my brother. Right back. Ditto, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, he kind of became that guy. For folks who don't know, Andrew Silverstein was Andrew Silverstein. And Andrew Silverstein used to go on stage and he used to have a, a, a variety of different impressions. He used to do a tremendous John Travolta. His Travolta was excellent. He's an excellent, he's an excellent actor. Very good actor. Very good impressionist. He would do all these things. And then he would do the Dice Man! Oh! And I jizzed all over her head. The jizz. And the Dice Man character in his act. Well, you know where that's from? Buddy Love. What's that? Buddy Love was in The Nutty Professor. That's what, That character's di- directly derivative from that. It, really? Yeah. He was doing Buddy impre- Love in The Nutty Professor. Is that... The Nutty Professor is Jerry Lewis, and like he takes a serum and changes yeah, it to a different uh-huh. guy. Well, when Pull he changed... That, it, I need to see that. When he changed into that guy, that's the character the dice became. Really? Uh-huh. Pull, but Jamie, illuminate the world. Jerry Lewis, Nutty Professor, Buddy Love. And I, I will be in this. Kilkenny in two weeks. Are you going to go there? Yeah. Ireland? Oh, you son of a bitch. I love it. I've only I performed in Dublin and um, Belfast, they Northern call, Ireland. And oh, did you? Love I've never been there. to Belfast. Animals. They call me the Godfather of Kilkenny. Look Kilkenny's. at this. No, it's just a song. Okay, find it. But look, he, the way he looks. Yeah. So he became like a slick guy. Is that what it is? Well, the, yeah. See if you can find something. That, or, hmm. Jerry Lewis as Buddy Love. Tax man's taking all my dough. We've got a world that swings. Whoa. Oh, my God, it is. Give me some volume here. Wow, he comes out as a cool guy with a uh-huh. cigarette and his hair slicked back. Wow, look at the people in the audience back then. The chick was beautiful. What kind of bullshit is this? This is, <laughs> just shows you how culture evolves. Have you ever seen the? Uh, look how hot she is. is Good she fucking googly moogly. But the le- the broad on the left of her is gonna cock block. Jerry's gonna try to m- make nice to her. Come over and say hi. 
and the see, other one's going to drool all over him. But yeah, he is kind of like you got to see the character. The character. I mean, he's see he, if you can find it. He admitted that he was uh, he was doing Buddy Love. Really? Yeah. He never said that it was you know his his character. I'm I'm almost positive on that. Wow, I did not know. I never saw the Nundy Professor. It was one of his many impressions. I never even saw that the Eddie Murphy version. No, I didn't see Eddie's. I saw Jerry Lewis's. I never saw it. So that. Believe you me. Sit and listen and watch. That old black Mood is magic. wrong. Mood is wrong. Innkeeper. Got sexy lights? Lay it on me. How better. come... Better. We were talking about now this watch, the other baby. day. How come nobody cared about girls' asses Every back then? Every move a picture. Well, they cared about his tits? There was no big asses back then. Girls weren't doing squats. Like, you go to girls' Meryl Instagram Monroe. pages, they're all wearing fucking yoga pants. Marilyn Monroe's ass. She couldn't even be one of the fly girls. How about that? How about that? Jane Mansfield, Marilyn Monroe. Those girls, they, I mean, they had a different kind of body. It was, they were obviously very beautiful, but they did not have, like, there's some ridiculous Instagram girls that have, like, well, two million think... followers on Instagram, and they have these giant butts. Like, look at Marilyn Monroe's ass. Yeah, but Get close up they, on that, They Jamie. didn't work out like women today. That's what I'm saying, Dom. What happened? I mean, that's not a bad ass. That's a very nice ass. You wouldn't fuck Marilyn Monroe? I would certainly do that, but it's a little on the flat side. I'd have to look at her. I'd have to flip her over. <laughs> I'd have to look her eye to eye, which is fine with me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. She's a beautiful think that's lady. That's her at her best, either. But it's just there. That's actually a pretty good one. Her, her back's arched up there. Upper, yeah. There, left, down, down, right in the middle. There you go. Yeah. But still, like you compare that to like the style of body that women ascri- uh, aspire to today. I mean, everyone was like, the, the hourglass figure. Well, the, the hourglass is very different shaped now. Like, you look at, like, the fucking Jennifer Lopez-style asses. In, oh, I love her body. Yeah, I mean, girls have just different asses now. I mean, and it's like really... The ass has evolved. It has. I mean, girls never had asses like that. This is, like, a big thing. Like, we want big muscular asses now whereas like if you look at like playboy from just a few years ago there was no girls that had big giant asses like that it was it was it didn't exist this is a new fad don't i'd it? rather her ass be a little big than too small oh definitely i like girls with a little body fat on them i think it's sexy six sickest thing i ever heard was a comedian friend of mine who goes oh fuck she, she had such a nice ass it was like a little boy i go oh you fucking scary creep what a fucking ugh. <laughs> Did you find any uh, Buddy Love? It's gotta exist. It's the YouTube. The YouTube has everything, goddammit. I just found the full movie. So oh, okay. Alright, cut through that shit and get to the heart of the matter. So, in The Nutty Professor, did he take like a potion and he became yeah, I this think cool so. guy? That's what it was. That's it was just real, real yeah, uh, let's hear him. geeky. It's just weird the style of of movies and of of entertainment. Like when he was sitting there singing that terrible song in front yeah. of all those people. It's like people actually went to see something like that and right. they enjoyed it. You know, the world has changed in so many weird ways, man. So many weird ways that it's like it's it's hard to keep up with it or it's hard to uh to be to like put it into perspective unless you go back and watch old stuff. Is this his character? Yeah. Yeah. Here it is. She's crazy about me also. Now, last weekend, Junior, you ordered your drink. About last night. Would you like to explain what happened? I told you I was going to tell you. It's, uh... 
Why don't we kind of table it a while, sweetie, huh? I mean, all the kids are kind of waiting, you know. It's Dullsville out. I'll be back. You take five. And I love you, baby. Mean it sincerely. You wait for me, huh? Oh, there you are, sweets. Thanks a lot. So all these girls come running up to the table. <laughs> and he's going to play the piano. He's drinking. Does a <laughs> shot. It's got something. She's gorgeous, isn't she? I need to find out what it is. He's got something. I think I'll do a... Do a tune that I'm going to record for a poverty record. Sounds like Sinatra a little. Well, his, his formula is wearing off, right? Isn't that what's supposed to be happening yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. He's exactly. like Mr. Cool Guy. Isn't that hilarious? The idea that he can't continue to act like this, that it's impossible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that stupid premise. <laughs> See, it's yeah. coming out. Ah. Hi, lady. Riboflavin. <laughs> I'm in the mood for love. What's happening? Look, she's turning to her friend. What's happening? That's, uh, I think that'll be it for a while. <laughs> he's got to run away and Later, turn back to the professor. Later. The nerdy professor who can't get the girls. Oh. I feel like the girl on her wedding night. Whose absent-minded husband goes home to his mother for dinner. Boy, movies sucked back then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? I mean, that's almost like a parody of a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a parody. Have you ever seen, like, some of the old Liberace stuff back when Liberace was a heartthrob? No. Oh, my God. Pull up Liberace? when Liberace winks at me. This is one of my favorite things. When I, when I Wait, think he about- acted like he was straight, Joe? Oh, yeah. Oh, Forever. Sick. For the longest time, they would always ask him, Liberace, when are you going to get married? Well, I'm just trying to find the right girl, but it's hard. <laughs> but when you watch this, when you watch like him, and you realize when Liberace winks at me, like this was like, crank this shit. I like when guys that are gay when try and act like they're Look straight. Look at this. This is a girl sitting at home. She's writing like a fan letter. And Liberace's on the TV. And watch when he winks, it makes a crazy noise. Like, watch this. <laughs> Look at this. You've got the other thing playing on the background, Jamie. Hold on. Get it together, bitch. Hold on. Pause it. Don't go to your Twitter. Jesus Christ, you fuck. Jeremiah Watkins. How dare you? What have you done? You've ruined this whole Liberace moment. What have Here you we done? go. Go back to it. <laughs> so natural. <laughs> Look at this. That's what happens Get it, Liber. Look at that clink <laughs> when, he, when he winks. <laughs> I 
<laughs> That's what happens when Liberace winks at me. Here it comes. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, God. The clink when he winks is just so weird. I mean, okay, I can kill it. But I mean, he didn't even sing, you know, this. The girl singing and his famous thing was playing the guitar or playing the piano, rather. Right. But it was enough. He didn't That's sing? all you needed. Well, I mean, there he didn't. I mean, he Did sang I, in some other songs. Did he? I, right? don't, I don't remember he him sang, singing. He sang, right? Didn't Liberace sing? Hmm. Somewhere over the rainbow. He had to have sung. Man, maybe he didn't. I don't remember him singing. Really? That doesn't mean he didn't sing. I wasn't a big fan growing up. You were up, a huge fan. I was a big fan. Yeah, the poster right next to the Farrah Fawcett poster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's weird when you look at old culture, when you look at things that were just, here he goes. Is he singing? He's singing the Liberace show. He's not, no, he's not, he's not mic'd. People who need people. Oh, he's talking the song. Luckiest people. Oh, kill that. Kill in that the, before we both turn world. gay. We could all turn gay just watching that. <laughs> that fucking documentary or that movie rather they did about him for HBO with Matt Damon and um the fuck's his name? Kirk Douglas or Michael Douglas? Oh, Michael Douglas, yeah. Jesus Christ, that was good. Did you ever see that? No, no. Oh I heard it was really good. So good. So good and so crazy. Who played Liberace? Douglas. Douglas? Yeah, Michael Douglas played, and Matt, Matt Damon, Damon played his boyfriend. Oh, God, that and must have been funny. Well, he's such a good actor. He's so a good actor. But he had all this crazy plastic surgery to look like Liberace, the boyfriend did, in real life. So they got all this prosthetics on Matt Damon to make his oh. chin stick out. And at the beginning of the film, he's beautiful Matt Damon, how he really looks. But then as the film goes on, yeah, look at him. He starts to get all of this plastic oh surgery. God. Yeah, see if they have... He looks like a news... It looks like Diane Sawyer. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. It was really good. It's really good. Because I don't think it was too overblown. I think it was really, like, fairly realistic. Imagine how much fun he had playing that. (laughs) I don't know if you remember Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to play a gay friend of mine who I went to college with. And his his name, we used to call him Vinny the Benny. And the reason I got the character was my wife and I were going down to a college reunion. And this is when he got gayer and gayer because he was a hairdresser on Broadway. And he's a really good dude. He's driving me down. And I go, Benny, you want a beer? He goes, no, thanks, Don, but you have one. <laughs> that, he did that little laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Robert Townsend? He's another one. I don't one. know. That guy was a killer. Remember he used to do those HBO specials where he'd have all the different comics up and yeah. you know and he would like he had these elaborate sets and he was hosting it and he had all those movies. The movie was so funny with Damon and uh, Keenan Waynes and John Witherspoon and he had a bunch of good movies. We had but with Joe when we, when we shot that movie we were fucking crying laughing. We had what so what happened fun. to him, man? I don't know. I don't know. Fuck. You know he stole a bit of mine. And that's how I got in the movie. He, remember my school for Italians? Yeah. Is there a school where I teach Italians how to be more Italian? Yeah, the, yeah. And he had a school for actors, teach black actors, teaching black actors how to be more black. Right? So it was basically a ripoff. Right. And we're watching a Georgetown Villanova game at his house, and he, tells, he shows me this thing. 
And I said, well, Robert, that's, you know, he wanted me to do a part in a movie, but he was also showing me, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I kind of borrowed something. I said, but that's mine, you know. I said, you know, not that he, I wouldn't even let him do it. And he goes, I never saw you do it. I go, we worked together every fucking night. <laughs> we did improvs on stage together. How could you not see it? Your mind shut down? Oh, for I, for, I wasn't in pain. Yeah. People will say that. People will say that. I've, I've seen guys say that. They work with guys and then steal a bit and say, I never saw you do it. Like, bitch, you saw him do it. Oh, yeah. You saw him do it a hundred times, maybe. That was a big thing at the Laugh Factory. That was one of the reasons why I stopped going to the Laugh Factory. It doesn't Factory. happen. Anymore. You should come back. Wait, oh, by the way, yeah. uh, June 9th, if you're available. What day is that? It's a Tuesday. It's my next one. I'm in. I'm in, Dom. I want to get uh, you and Joey oh, back again. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. The 9th, I'll be... Uh, um, yeah, I'm in Irvine that weekend. Yeah, I'm we'll get, in. We'll get Diaz with us. Let's do it. I love Diaz. Let's do it. Diaz was on fucking fire last night. The funniest guy in the world, ever. He's the funniest guy of all time. Fucking great. Last night at the fucking OR in the comedy store, I was crying. I mean, <laughs> tears were rolling down my hair, my eyes, rather. Does he, say, does he say your whole name, too? Yeah, oh yeah, Dom Herrera, listen, Dom Herrera, I'll tell you right now, these fucking bitches, they got nothing for me. Yeah, he tells everybody, he tells everybody's full name. How it's great is it style. to see a guy like him peeking now? I love it. Me too. I love it. Well, you know, I was the biggest Joey Diaz supporter of all time. I, was, I, I would take him on the road with me when agents, I used to have this old agent that fucking hated Joey, and he would you know, he'd say, I just don't think the guy's talented. I don't know why you're taking him with him. Go, you're out of your mind. I go, you're out of your mind. I think, you're, I think this guy's holding you back. I think it makes your show look bad. I'm like, please shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Just stop. Just stop talking. And that guy has no, vanished. That's, that's very generous of you. I mean, you did it with Ari. And be, you know, I love those guys, but I mean, it was great that you had the power and and the unselfishness to help those guys' careers. Well, one of the things about the Comedy Store, where we all work on a regular basis, we get to see guys who are good and guys who are not good. You know, and Ari said to me once, you know, like when you took me on the, the road, I, you know, I wasn't funny. I go, that's not true. You were funny. You just weren't funny all the time. But the times you were funny, you were really yeah. fucking. Remember funny. Remember, ask a Jew. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was great. <laughs> <laughs> he just Ari's a fucking great comic. He just needed to develop. I mean, it's all it is. But he he had that ability. The like, I mean, maybe it would be like two out of three bits would be killer, and one of them wouldn't be so hot. But those two were fucking killing. Mean, you know, most comics are notoriously hard on themselves. Like, I'm very very self critical. Like, it's one of the reasons why I don't like compliments. I'm I just I'm always I dissect the shit out of my act, but it's also yeah. one of the what, what makes it good. It's because I, I try to cut it out and trim yeah. the fat. So that's like Ari's opinion as well. He was like looking at himself like I wasn't good back then. I was like, it's not true. You you had the ability to be very very funny. It just didn't always work out. It's because you were still learning to be a comic. So like I I knew that. I knew that about Duncan. I knew that about Diaz. And I knew that about Ari because I saw them there all the time. I knew they had it. They just had to do it. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I especially didn't know Duncan because he never mentioned it. I would call him for spots. He would take my spots down. We always had a good time. I always liked the kid. He never even told me he was a comedian. <laughs> then all of a sudden he's doing a, an X-rated ventriloquist. <laughs> and then, well, the satanic ventriloquist. Is that little what it was? hobo. Yeah, little hobo was fucking awesome. Somebody stole little hobo. He had to get a new little oh, hobo. God, who the fuck would steal your puppet? Some asshole. I hope whoever you are, you fuck. I hope little, <laughs> little hobo haunts you in your sleep. Stole little hobo. How rude. Yeah, he's uh, those guys are just 
but I just, you know, you, I got to see them in the beginning. You know, I got to see them. I got to see Duncan like one of his first times ever on stage. Ari, same thing. I got to see Ari when he was essentially an open micer. We became friends when he was an open micer. And Diaz, he had had a few years in his belt in Denver and in Seattle. He had a few years, but he was still putting it together. But I just knew, man. I would just see. I'd see those sparks, those moments. Remember when he was the we were laughing at him at the Laugh Factory when he just plants his feet and just <laughs> just just has that rant. That he love destroyed the Laugh Factory two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago we did yeah. the show? Oh, he destroyed it. But I'm telling you, it wasn't like last night. Last night, I, I don't want to say the bits that he was doing because they're all new bits. I don't want to tell t- say what the premises were. Holy fuck, we were crying. It was like. You know, the audience was was pretty good size, you know, like maybe 100 people, but all the comics in the back of the room, yeah. we were just crying, just crying. I mean, literally, tears pouring down my eyes. I watched this whole set and then went <laughs> home. And uh, Adam, you know, Adam said, it's so crazy. Like, you've known that guy for so fucking long, and you still laugh that hard, and you still go in to see his sets. Yeah. He's free. He's, He's free. He's so free. I remember he used to follow me at the left, at the comedy store. So we had a, like a, 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 like a small friendship, but mm-hmm. you know, we were always buddies. And he used to get so nervous. Yeah. And he was so different. He, was, he, he really broke through. But it shows you about this. It doesn't happen to athletes. You don't break through at 40 or 50. Yeah, right. You know, you're yeah. done. Yeah, it's interesting because Joey's like 51 now, I think, or 52. And really He's never di- been better. Never been better. And didn't really catch for like, like maybe I just want to say like five, six years ago, people started yeah. to know who he was. And you know how I could tell the difference? When I would take him on the road. I'd take him on the road um, and um, people would, like I would do a theater or something like that and Joey would go on stage and people just wouldn't know who he was. And they would start laughing after a while, but they would give a nice polite round of applause when he got on stage. Now when Joey goes on stage, I film it sometimes just to show people. I put it on YouTube. There's yeah. a vid- you could find it on YouTube. Find Joey Diaz going on stage. It's it's fucking insane. I think Joey Diaz going on stage in Denver. One of the reasons why I did a theater in Denver was because Wendy had banned Joey. She she uses him now. Like they oh. bro- they they smooth it over, and he actually works a club now. But she, he had some instance back in his old drug do- using days. He was out of his fucking mind, <laughs> and they banned him from the club. You know, common shit. Richard Pryor's Sam Kinison got banned from the comedy store about a hundred times. You know, but um, I know I was there. Joey goes on stage. And the fucking round of applause was so crazy. I had a Isn't film. Yeah. It was insane. They knew who he was. And this was like two years ago, maybe, I want to say. So it was it was a few years in, and he was just starting to realize that they had caught on. So for the longest time, it's like I had been singing this guy's praises, and nobody had nobody knew who the fuck he was. They, didn't, they just didn't get it. And then finally, you find it? It's, it's Toronto. All right. No, it's not Toronto. It That's is. me. That's me. Stop. No, that's not Joey Diaz. That's Joe Rogan goes on stage at Massey Hall, you silly bitch. It's not me. Joey can't even get to Toronto. Trust me. (laughs) Joey. You got to say Joey Diaz goes on stage. There's a a video. Son of a bitch. How dare you? He can't can't get to Canada. Yeah, I know. They won't let him in. Yeah, he told me. I was was trying to work with him somewhere. Arm kidnapping. Yeah, <laughs> bring somebody to another room. <laughs> Kidnapping and armed robbery. He had a machine gun. He stole coke from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> well, you know, we, we sometimes we we split the bill at the ice house. Him and I. Yeah, yeah. I know. Those are great it's shows. A lot of fun. I told you, he said to me the first first time we did it. I said, Joe, whatever you want to do, you want to go in first, second, whatever. He goes, I'll tell you what, Don Marrero. 
why don't you do the first show and go on se- first? Go close the first show, close the second, so you don't have to follow a pig like me that late. <laughs> and then you can go to the, you can go to the laugh factory do another set. I don't know you make give me the easy spots, but you're writing my itinerary too. <laughs> He's a character. There's nobody like that guy. You know, I think we're we're very lucky. All of us are, just so we know each other. I feel very lucky that I know you. All right, right you know? back. Hey, I mean, I enjoyed that that moment we had with me, you, and him at the comedy store in the in the parking lot. Yeah, that just it's just fun and relaxing. And well, you know, Brian Cowan was telling uh, was talking about this the other night because his wife made him go on some fucking horrendous double date. And he's like, he's, he's hanging out with this guy who's just apparently really obnoxious and annoying. And he's, you know, and his wife is like, I thought they were fine. And he goes, do you understand that I could be right now at the comedy store hanging out with the funniest people on earth? And I'm hanging out with this idiot who wants to, you know, brag about his boat or whatever the fuck right, he's right. talking about, some blowhard. So but, what's it like to bomb? That must really be so. That must be so. <laughs> anybody ever ask you that? Yeah. I get that. It's like, what's it like to bomb? I said, how much do you think I'd fucking bomb if I work all over the world? <laughs> we got to get Don Maria over here in New Zealand. I always say it's like sucking a thousand dicks in front of your mother. It's the best way to describe it. <laughs> that's a nice it. image. But the problem is- I don't is have some, that kind of time. Maybe. <laughs> that's a lot. Would we'll you be real quick? I'm not saying to climax. <laughs> you know, you can get through 10 in a short period of time if you got a good head. Got good head movement. Um, we got to get out of here. Your, your uh, car's supposed to be picking you up right now. This motherfucker's so probably for, angry. I'm at the Tropicana next, the next Tropicana Saturday, 23rd. The Tropicana in Atlantic City, ladies and gentlemen. That's Dom Herrera's hood right next to powerful Philadelphia. Joseph, thank you for having thank me Thank you, on. my brother. See you tonight. Always Love you, man. Yeah, we're going to have fun. We're at the yeah. uh, Ice House sold out tonight. Sorry, bitches. Uh, but we'll probably be doing another show next Wednesday night, too, because I got a big Vegas show uh, next uh, Friday. I got to fucking tune up. E, ah, ooh, ah, <laughs> little bit of this. <laughs> e. Don Herrera, I love you, brother. Love you, too, man. All right, ladies Take and care. gentlemen, we'll be back tomorrow with Adam Scorgi, the uh, producer of The Union and The Culture High, and he'll be here tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the podcast, and thank you to our sponsors. Thanks to Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. Thank you to LegalZoom. LegalZoom. Go to LegalZoom.com. Use the referral code Rogan at checkout and save yourself some cash and deal with all your legal issues online in a much more fast, easy, and convenient way. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Rogan and you can try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com forward slash rogan thank you to the national academy of sports medicine go to myusatrainer.com for a free 14-day trial of their fast and fun online program that's myusatrainer.com that's it for today my friends much love to you all and big kisses (laughs) 